Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of The Old World Lives, a Warhammer podcast. And tonight with me, I actually have more than one, and that's a miracle, it seems. But let's start off with the usual one, Niklas. Hello, I'm always here. Always here with Chris. He's always here. This time, hopefully, I will talk more about fantasy and less about other shit. <laughs> and with me tonight, we also have uh, Krell. Moshimosh, Krell. This it feels like it's it's been a while. I tried to get a word in edgewise last time, but Nicholas just going on about Vestroians, and I do love Vestroians. They're amazing sculpts. Yeah, and we've actually picked up one more. I'm not sure really from where, but uh, it was something that Niklas brought home. So let's uh, everyone welcome back. Morten. Hey, he found something sad on the sidewalk and he brought me here. <laughs> Yay. No, it's the secret plan. Our secret plan is that the don't lose your head will take over this podcast from within. Yes. I think well, technically, it for it to be a secret plan, you don't tell everyone on air about it. I'm not really an expert, though. Ah, shit. <laughs> do, do you identify more as a lost waif or a foundling, Morton? You get uh, to choose. Uh, foundling? Yeah, I guess. It's a cool choice. No wrong answers, man. Oh, very nice to be here. Um, I'm a big fan of the show, so the only, only problem is now I won't get... Well, when this episode drops, will I listen to it or not? I don't know. <laughs> I've already heard it. Mm. Like you will remember anything. Ah, that's true. That's true. Goldfish brain. <laughs> that, that's why we all heavily sedate ourselves before the show. So it's also like a pleasant surprise when you pick it up and you're like, hey, I talked oh. about this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm do- oh. doing, doing the bold, bold choice tonight. I have uh, orange gin with orange uh, slices in and uh, some uh, tonic water. And I'm slightly allergic, allergic to orange. Oh, living on the edge. <laughs> ah, yes, the suicide tonic. <laughs> well, as, as long as I don't actually eat the orange, it's usually fine. But uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Check in later to hear Chris eating the orange online. <laughs> Given that I actually did caught COVID after the last <laughs> time we recorded, <laughs> I'm uh, just glad I actually can taste anything. The new, the new, the old world lives motto is, ah, what's the worst that could happen, really? It has always been that. So, Krell, tell us yes. about what you've done in the hobby since last time we heard about from you. Well, I do like this new bold policy we have, talking about stuff that isn't strictly where I'm a fancy. But I've recently, as I told the guys before we started recording, instituted a new bold hobby policy. What you do is you buy everything, and I mean everything you conceivably find for an out-of-production army. In my case, Tomb Kings. Uh, you medi- meticulously hide it from your wife, like the world's worst hoarder. Then you move house completely, and you pack everything into boxes that's pretty nondescriptly labeled. In my case, you just wrote, write TK1, TK2, TK3. And now, reasonably, you would assume that that means all of your Tomb King's shit are in these three boxes. I was going to say Fwain, but I think Fwain. However, <laughs> I have found, while sorting out some old gym clothes, 
that apparently I had hobby stuff in the bo these boxes. In one notable Tupperware box, all of my flocking from old autumn leaves from Green Stuff World, I just leaked out of the plastic container. So like put my hands into this small, I don't know why I'm showing you with my hands. Anyway, you put your fingers gently into like the leaked content of a huge box of autumn leaves. And you put your fingers in there like, wait, some odd resistance. So I cup it in my hands and lift it up out of the box. And I, what is this? There's some sort of shiny metal between the leaves. So I brush it off. I brush it off like some weird archaeologist from Tyne's hands. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the limited edition banner bearer for the tomb guard. Wow, that's, I don't even remember buying this. It must have been super expensive. And I'm like, but wait, there's something more in here. And I do it again. And wait, the cavalry one? I didn't even remember having this. And I kept going through like my old sock drawer and like my school catalogs from primary school. And I found like 20 bow skeletons that were primed. Uh, I found three chariots, which I just finished up, decently shuffed with those. Uh, I found like 20, <laughs> 20 light cavalry, which means they have bows, but not light armor and like a shield. Uh, I found 10 tomb guards. I found like 15 metal figures, like Lish priests, like the guy in the, uh, the Covenant. I, I found Kalida, fine cast and metal. And I remember getting the metal one, but I don't remember having fine cast one. And like Ushabti, just a score of Ushabti in fine cast metal, still in like that old box. So basically, what have I been doing? Well, I've been seriously auditing my need to rein in my spendings on Tomb Kings, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I finished up three chariots, and I primed another 15 skeletons, and I'm working on this like light kit bash for my bowmen, because I need a banner bearer for my 20-man 20 20 new unit uh, of uh, bowmen. So I'm going to take like the left hand, because some of those archer guys came with uh, bespoken hands, and he has... He's, how do I explain this? If you've ever fired a bow, he has this like two middle fingers slightly arched inwards, and the other two are like throwing up the words worst, throwing the horns for an 80s metal glam band. And I'm gonna like open it up a bit with a glue gun. I'm gonna take one of those banners, shave off the hand that's sculpted on it, and I'm gonna make him basically hold the bow and the banner simultaneously. Because the hand that holds the bow, the right one, is usually the one that holds the banner as well. So I'm just gonna kit bash that for this month's challenge depending on what we got the episode, I guess. Uh, beyond that, I've primed up Kalida. I've started working on the Casket of Souls. Feels really good back being doing some fancy. Uh, I recently started work on my old Carnifex, I guess, from 5th edition of Twin Link Devourers. Uh, I started working on my 11-man squad of Red Scorpions. I've actually found some of my second edition Ultramarine guys, the first ones I ever painted. I think I've told you guys about those. They look horrible. And I have them next to some Mark IV Betrayal Calf dudes and some like Mark V resin from Fort World I got half a decade ago. Uh, I finished uh, Adeptus Rort as an army for this year, 1,200 points, play with my high school buddies to finally get them back in fantasy. I finished up my third Necromunda gang. I did 2,000, no, 3,100 points of Emperor's Children, Istvan Free Survivors. I just put together my, what are it like, Cyborg, the Minotaurs. Do you guys remember? There's this English company that does amazing monster sculpts. They usually have sales. Is that Cyborg? Or Mears. Uh, Mears Miniatures. Thanks, Morton. Exactly. Uh, I got like 10 of those. So I finally put them up, cleaned them off into my ultrasound cleaner. And I got my like custom-made red scorpion transfers from Japan of all places. And uh, beyond that, I guess not a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, in, I, in a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's since I was last on, so pff, year and a half. No, okay. I don't. And oh yeah, I just finished up my old epic uh, Warhound Titan. 
So I guess like 15 millimeter. The old like wolf head ones, striding for on one leg. Damn. Nice. Uh, yeah, for Tomb Kings, I'm gonna do these 20 skelly dudes. I'm gonna do the Cask of Souls, which I keep like just in my mind. I call it the Ark of the Covenant. I'm mucking around a bit with the. I think actually, I think Chris was the one who originally tipped me off on it. The Liquid Gold from Vallejo. Oh, sorry, Oro uh, Liquido. Probably uh, Nicholas actually. Really? Yeah. Hey Nicholas, yes. how are your paints? Uh, Dried out. Yeah. They will be. I had two Cadian flesh like uh, pots that I was going to use, and one of them was turning bad, so I bought a new one. And now the new one is also turned bad. Now I just yep. had to buy a new fucking Stormhouse Silver that was only half used because it dried up. I think it's yep. more the Curse of Games Worship, though, than Curse of Krell, to be honest. No, 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 it's a Curse of Krell. I, I call it cast like, <laughs> what is it? I, I six dice it. What, what is it the Australians say? Yeah, six dice, mate. I throw six dice on the winds of the desert, and it just randomly vaporizes your paints. The what was it called? Curse of Ages. Yes, the Curse of Ages. <laughs> I find, haha! I finally transmuted transmutated your paints, Nicholas. You're like, thanks for fifteen pounds of gold, you big nerd. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. I've been mucking around with oils a bunch. Finally broke down and got some old paints, which you know, I'm super grateful for all the tips I got over a year. So I wish I listened to them. Oh yeah, and I built another twenty Skaven and the three Skaven ogres I've got here. And a bunch of Battletech stuff. I really love Battletech, but I think that's in the periphery, so we'll talk about that maybe never. That's what I've been doing lately. I thought I'd been productive. But I mean, probably, yeah. In comparison, you did an entire army for fancy. That has come for something. It's actually on the subject. It's like everyone's competing in the Wimbledon, and I'm coming in with my successful golf career. It's, sure, it's fun, but it's not really relevant, is it? Well, also, done I golf style. Yeah, I think that's it's awesome. I mean, but were, were you thinking like, Ah, I'm I'm done with my Tomb Kings, and then you found all these extra things, or <laughs> did you have other things to finish? Well, fun story. Uh, I was looking for extra bits for my Red Scorpion army because we're gonna start up like a small badab thing. Oh, and awesome. I was cleaning up. I actually found these two. They're like the battle cruisers from Battlefield Gothic, the Chaos one. I think the spoiler class. Uh, I just put them away, and I found some extra stuff, and I've got my Vrax and Militia stuff, and I started cleaning up, and then I found Tomb Kings, which, it was some surprise. I knew about, like, three of the Shabti, and I've got those, like, Snake Rider dudes, but I'm like, hey, I got my 1,200 points of Tomb Kings all finished up. I don't need any more, and then I found all of this, and I'm like, well, the shares are, like, half done. Ostensibly, what are we talking, like, a couple of hours? I could finish that up. Then I found, like, the Cavalryman. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's not too bad. Then we have all these fucking skeletons. I found two and a half bags, which has to be like 750 grams, maybe a pound of just bits. Legs, heads, torsos, Tomb King stuff. I think I might be able to build another 30 skeletons. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always need more skeletons, right? Yeah. Yeah. A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> that's the nice thing with Tomb so that you don't need to have like loads of uh, shit that you can spawn up because you can only like raise skeletons from existing units right yeah not like the vampire counts one I don't know if anyone who listens to this remember but like way back in episode 12 when I was heavily inebriated Nicholas asked me if the differentiation between the invocation of the undead between the Tomb Kings and vampire counts is basically that the vampire counts pull people unwillingly back from the afterlife and the Tomb Kings willingly go into service beyond for their undead masters and i think my answer is like uh, uh, yeah turns out that's exactly what it is uh, the yeah. tomb kings can't just raise people willy-nilly you have to like willingly enter into eternal servitude for your master <laughs> so no you're right uh, also in sixth edition <laughs> one of my troop choices is literally four swarms 
just four sw- tomb swarms it's like 50 oh. points speaking of uh, krell while we yeah. have you uh the new campaign for the podcast what are you going to yes. do for that tomb kings fair enough and i think the absolute worst thing on my unrelenting mirth on that subject is that now you guys have to find some super weird ass reason as to why the tomb kings are hoofed into the empire <laughs> just like hey border princess what up which one of you assholes stole our enchanted chalice? And you have like Morton with dogs of war in the background being like, oh, no, no, nothing about a chalice. There's, uh, there's, oh, still, uh, there's still tombs from the Tomb King's empire in the Border Princess. So, Haha, yes. Which I knew all along as one check your knowledge. Well spotted, Chris. I did not know that. <laughs> it was also like back in the, it was also like back in the day when you fluffy games like yes the Bretonia are fighting the high elves the water elves and the emperor of man yes also here are the south american lizard people as well as the north african tomb kings as well as the romanian vampires for no apparent reason yeah small world isn't it yeah yeah people are like yeah it's based on england i'm like is it though is it yeah, really there's uh, quite uh, a small part of the old world that's based on england and it's pro- not really part of the old world and nowadays it's just like the vortex of chaos right sorry oh, vortex yeah. of referendum yeah something like that speaking of uh, morton you hmm? you were on in april last year for, oh, the, shit. Oh. for the dogs of war special <laughs> have you been, been doing long? anything fun for your, your hobby combat system? Yeah, oh, I mean, I've uh, made a, another army since then. I've made a Chaos Warriors of Chaos Nurgle army. Or oh, well, it's it's more of a united Nurgle army because I have warrior, Warriors of Chaos, I have some beastmen, and I have some demons. So I just did the old thing, like I don't care about the why why split them into different army books when you can have them all together? Because the edition sucks. Well, it really well, does. No, well. nobody said, hey, you know what beastmen need? A separate book, and well, also remove all the cool shit. Wasn't it in 6th edition that they all did the split, though? No, yeah, but the 6th edition Herds of Chaos is still, like, entertaining to play and fairly functional. Later on, they just removed all the monsters for some reason. But yeah, I like your approach. They have the lovely rules at the beginning of the army list. That just yeah. If you have a beast uh, general, you, your beasts are core. If you have a Chaos Warrior general, your warriors are core. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a nice, that's a very good idea. If Jimmy uh, was they, here, he'd be yelling that at you. I, th- I think he, pro- he probably is. <laughs> I think they, they brought rules back for uniting them with the end times, but I don't know. I'm I'm just playing with people who have the same mindset, and we don't care. We just play with whatever is fun. Uh, that's how we. But the the I guess the theme is going to be a, a bit about uh, well surrounding Tamarcan. So um, I'm gonna paint Tamarcan model, and uh, maybe someday we could recreate that cool campaign and i know we're we've been talking about having well making an episode about that so maybe i'll save some of the nurgle talk to them yeah uh, but then, yeah but then uh, so fast forward now we're here and now it's a new year new army and i was like oh i had thought about making tomb kings which is maybe i will think about it again after this episode <laughs> <laughs> see. Uh, has already bought all of the available ones in Sweden. <laughs> that's true. Mr. Morton. too bad i sit on the tactical supply of tomb king skeletons oh. for miles around <laughs> maybe i can get some for triple the price or something i don't know <laughs> um, but then i had this crazy idea about making um, bretonian orcs Ooh. so so then that's what i'm doing at the moment um <laughs> you, I just thought, yeah, some orcs who live in Massif Orcal in Bretonia, and they've uh, been enviously looking at the knights, and they think that they should also be able to do 
what they do, but better. So they took their some boars that they found. They just put some cloth on them, uh, put on some armor, tried to look like knights, and then they charged into glorious combat. So we'll see. Uh, it's uh, I, I have a sort of an idea of what to do with it, but I don't want to make a really big army at the moment. Just just for fun with conversion and painting because I thought, oh, Bretonia seems so fun. You can paint every night in a different color scheme. Uh, so then I just started to do it with orcs. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to have a, a nice... Uh... Yeah. 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 If you actually speak French or English, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm gonna make um, a a lovely orc damsel, uh, and, and um, she she it I don't know it's beautiful. Um, but I thought what 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 will she ride on? Because you know they have their unicorns. So I thought so I found this normal pig, not a wild boar, but a pig, which in their eyes must be this beautiful magical creature. Like oh, he ain't got much hair on it, does it? Eh, it's pink and nice, a beautiful creature, and then. Um, so I'm going to, maybe they've stuck on a little horn there to make it look like a unicorn or something. I will, we'll see. Tons of uh, fun ideas, but I guess I'll have to get it approved by uh, Jimmy. He's the green, green master on this show, right? Wasn't there like, for Blood Bowl, didn't they make like an orc cheerleader? Yep. If you can track that down, that'd probably be a pretty decent oh, base yeah. to use. Yeah, yeah. Try to fit that in somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, and then I, I assume maybe... time and money is not an option. Is not a problem at all. Not so a problem you know, at all. No, no, no. Casually no, no. buy easy, it on eBay. Easy peasy. Um, <laughs> and I, I've been thinking about getting some um, night goblins and using them as peasants because they would look like the equivalent, right? Like, oh, we don't care. Goblins. That's amazing, Morton. Oh, they're night. Oh, I didn't even think of that pun. Maybe you oh, can okay. help me with some other things. <laughs> I, I I need some orcified names of like Arthur and his knights for the for the riders. Um, so I don't know. Pork, pork civil. There's huh? in the in the Gnoblar set. There's yeah. a, a Gnoblar riding another Gnoblar as his as his steed. So that could work it to put it into a goblin. Probably work it into a goblin unit. Yeah, yeah you yeah. got Sir Prance a lot. Yeah, Sir I thought Prance about a lot. I thought about Lance a grot. Oh shit! Even better, man. <laughs> And maybe Arthur could be Warther or something like that. Yeah, that's really good. But uh, well, yeah, keep keep the good ideas coming. Uh, I, I will need them. Uh, and other than that, I'm also currently painting a Manticore from said Mirrors Miniatures. But it's a great model, I, and I don't really have a plan for it. It's not meant to be in any of the armies. I just uh, thought, like, oh, it would be fun to have some wild monsters to play some monster hunt mission or something like that. Or just, you know have a wild monster appear in the in the middle of the battle. So we'll see. Or maybe maybe um Lore of the Wild, Lore of the Beasts. Lore of Beast, right? Transformation of Kadan, is it? Well, you don't know yeah. about these cool yeah. things. Lore of Beast. Maybe. There's uh <laughs> in the sixth edition Elf book, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. There's a it's like a quest game where you can hunt beasts and there's a manticore oh. in there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they got well. they got that instead of an alternate uh, army list at the back of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Way better, right? <laughs> I think I think that's all my hobby cro- progress at the moment. No. Oh, it seems like the war orc cheerleading squ- squad is no longer available at Forge World. Oh, sad war. 
<laughs> it took me like four minutes just to get past the I, I'm a human check for <laughs> to get into <laughs> that's starting to get ridiculous just, yeah you have to click eight times on these uh, which uh, which squares can contain a boat yeah so, uh, why why did they introduce that it's crazy yeah and why it's only on the Fortwell website uh, maybe they've been I, know, I know that Fortworld and Games Workshop brought that in because people went in and like they bought all, out all of the fucking Siege Terror, sort of swearing all of the Siege Terror books and like all the limited releases and then you know Games Workshop scaled that back for only like when they have major releases. Yeah, but it's all always on Forge. Yeah, World. I think Forge got it, but they never backed it down. Yeah. And especially when you're already <laughs> signed in. Sorry for that. When you're yeah. already signed in uh, with the Warhammer Plus account. Oh, yes. That's so, weird. <laughs> I'm just signed in anyway. <laughs> but no. Are you truly human? Yeah, obviously not. <laughs> and you only you know that the only reason why that kind of capture is on the site is because someone wants their machine to learn recognition of images mm. and the stuff. So You're helping Gynet, basically, every day. Yeah, you go to pretty much. It's actually Bynet. <laughs> then you have Adeptus Titanicus Reaver Titan Volkite Eradicators and Volkite Destructors for the Warlord. So you can have all Volkite Titans Terminator will be much scarier if it learns by the Forge World weapons. That's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, Who's next? Hobby progress. Yeah, Nicholas, how did uh, did you manage to finish all of your Dark Elf stuff that you talked about last episode? Yes. So uh, I was working on some historians just to get some some of those things ready, and then after that, I was just going to launch into finishing my high. Uh, not high elves, dark elves. <laughs> the true, true leaders of both one. So it's, it's the same, isn't that's, it? That's uh, one hell of a Freudian slip. That yeah, I was thinking that <laughs> elves are elves, aren't Sitting they? and reading the high elf book now. That's why mm. um, elves are elves, Nicholas. Don't get bothered about it. So uh, yeah, I had to finish painting uh, a uh, Reaper Bolter and five uh, Cold One Nights, and I did that in like three or four days. I think it's four days. Uh, and then I had some games uh, yesterday, uh, which was awesome. Uh, Manfred, the uh, Morten's usual player back in Gothenburg, came up here. And then two other players, local players. And we played uh, 1,000 point games. It was awesome. And I, last time we played, we played 500 points. And my Dark Hills just got crushed every game. But this time, I had my revenge and I crushed it. So it was pretty good. great. How many games did you play? I saw one against Manfred's Bretonians and one against uh, Demons of Slanesh or something. Yeah, yeah. So we just played uh, two games. Yeah. Who had those Slanesh demons? They were really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Sebastian. is a local player. He's got oh. loads of armies. He's got like a massive dwarf army of all kinds of makes, and uh, he's got beastmen as well, and this really cool Slanesh army. Are you going to tell about the uh, demon prince he had? Yeah, he was using it as a an exalted demon i think it's called the uh, hero version but uh, what was it made of it's the the uh, made from the the morn ghoul yeah uh, it, it was like the morn ghoul uh like coming out of a, a pillar kind of or standing over it, it was and really cool. uh, he had like uh the sword from the uh not the defiler the the, the demon version of the defiler the soul called. grinder yeah so like oh, that yeah. broken off sword 
Um, and he said, like, uh, in, in the future, he's going to use it with as this thing that, like, I don't know, it's got this kind of demonic power that you gain wounds when you inflict wounds because it looks like it's not fully summoned, like, because the Mongol is doesn't have, like, a lower body and it's missing an arm or something. Oh, so it's, like, feeding on the its enemies to, to grow. Yeah. I think it's scary. Like an item called the Soul Stealer Sword, which lets you do that. Yeah, it might be that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a great model. Great paint job and a great army in general. I like yeah. the thing he because he had also those mixed units, right? Where it's like a it's a, um, a demonette unit, but then he had like one uh, seeker in there or something. Yeah, he used them as uh, unit fillers. So yeah. when he when he came there, he was like, "Well, it's a shame you can't use seekers in this army." And I was like, "Actually, you can." It's in the Storm of Chaos book, and they're also in uh, the Chronicle 2004 book. And I actually brought both of those along, so. Uh, <laughs> I really hope that you said, well, <clears throat> actually, and you put on some glasses <laughs> to just, I think you'll find, sir. Yeah, well, uh, so this 40k player was there, and he was complaining a bit about uh, the fact that the game is like spread out, like you have to use four books or something. Uh, and then, like, we were mocking him for that, and then he was around for that. And I was like, well, at least it won't get, like, outdated next month. The best part is when you have to uh, track down a copy of the latest uh, FAQ errata sheet for an army, and uh, you really they they are not in one of the chronicles. One of the most charming things in my collection is my Dark Elf book, the older version that I had to fucking uh, use a label maker to like <laughs> put in all the updates, all the updated points. And... Mine got the updates. Uh, I printed the errata. Cut them out of, cut them out with a scissor, and then uh, tape them into my book. Yeah, that's the that's a classic. So yeah, good. that's the proper thing to do. So, and uh, that's only because the Dark Elf book got got a really massive over <laughs> overhaul after a while. Yeah, didn't they change like everything, like the points and rules? Uh, they changed the warrior points. They changed, uh, well, the executioner models are clad from head to toe. In plate mail and uh, chain mail, had light armor in the original hmm. book. Hmm. How is the like the the cold one night riders though that have like armor all over like Massagorgas and shit, and they have heavy armor, but then like the Empire greatswords that have just like a plate, a full plate. Yeah, human ingenuity. But yeah. on the other hand, Quality. the the cold one knights got <laughs> the scaly skin on the cold one riders. Yeah, that so, just raises further questions. I think it's uh, one of those don't ask kind of deals. Maybe the <laughs> I think it's like where you wave your fingers in air and just say magic. Yep. Yeah, wizard did it. A wizard did it. <laughs> yeah, I did get it. Ever... But what's the context? A wizard did it with magic. Did they ever release uh, erratas like on stickers so that they were intended to just no. easily be put into the book? That would be kind of nice. <laughs> Sometimes mm. they release them in a white dwarf. They well, they still do release an update in a white dwarf, and when the white dwarf is no longer available, you have to wait until they consolidated, like a chapter approved or similar. Yeah. Similarly, yeah, yeah, you have those uh, the dark of uh, updates in my chronicle books uh, mm. that have like those those lines made to cut out to good. Oh, but that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, they were also available as a download on the Games Workshop website once upon a time but uh, that was nigh on 20 years ago 
I remember those downloads because they actually put a lot of effort into the graphic formatting of it. Because there used to be like one for Heinrich Kemmler and Krell, and you only got in White Dwarf, but you could download it for like a weekend or something from a webpage or maybe longer. I don't remember. And it even had like a nice, like at the end of the page, it had like a nice little rosary of skulls. It had no function whatsoever, but just looked neat, you know? Yeah. Like well, some poor have... timid intern had to sit around and just, hey, we want you to make this object graphically appealing. And just like, oh, okay, guys. Can I proofread the high yeah. book after that? They used to have a great support of uh, <coughs> hobby stuff. Yeah. Well, they had, yeah, download this, these templates to make a village or a, a wall and or how to build this kind of terrain or how to build that kind of terrain or how to play this kind of scenario or scenario rules, army rules, special characters. So much support. And then it just, nah, we're not going to have any downloads anymore. We're not going to have a forum anymore. All those memories lost, like teardrops in rain. <laughs> to be fair, the forum did kind of turn into a cesspool after a while, but uh, that's just forums. It went out with a bang and not a whimper, and you got to respect that. But then again, I did rage sell all of my vampires at one point due to Age of Sigmar, so I don't think you should listen to me about handling stuff healthily. Yeah, I think that is a good, a good idea, just not listening to you. You're just jealous. Because now you're going to get questions about, wait, are there really like two Christophers? This is too confusing for me as a listener. <laughs> so the one who isn't yeah. an asshole to all our listeners, that's the one guy who comes on repeatedly and does stuff. <laughs> yeah, no matter that we do sound entirely different when we talk. <laughs> yeah, that might be a second clue, but may- maybe we have some very drunk listeners on occasion. I love that when we, uh, visiting uh, like Scandus and people just, wait, you're the guy that's in the podcast? <laughs> I still get that. Like, wait, which Christopher are you? And I'm like, wait, you can't, you can't hear the difference. You can't hear the difference after the initial sixty episodes with another Christopher. You, you can't see the difference because we do look fairly different as well. Yeah, you are a bit taller. Yeah, a bit. And you have glasses still, right? Yeah. I think it's all Nicholas making voices. I think he's just very, very good at it. I've said it before. The only time I've seen Nicholas and Morton in the same place, there's like a weird mirror between them, and like one of them had a wig on. Yeah. Uh, well, it was you, a, pay, a paid actor. Yeah. Do you or do you not confirm wearing a wig at every Lincoln I've ever seen you at? Uh, I think I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, see? or wasn't it when I was uh, Ultramarines leader? I think I had a. Didn't I have one of those? Like uh... the Laurels one? Yeah, the, like Laurels. the Laurels. Yeah, you did. Otherwise, you've always had like that awesome Farrah Fawcett wig on for when we play. <laughs> it's the only blonde one I got. <laughs> I like how it's the only blonde wig you got. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Re- researching seems hard. Actually, it's the only blonde wig I have. So. I have so many questions about your life, and yet no questions whatsoever. In also, I'm sorry, Nicholas, I cut you off. Did you have more hobby progress stuff before you started like questioning Morton's existence? <laughs> Uh, well, I was talking about my games. Um, it was fun to use uh, Laws of Magic, it's like the first time uh, I've ever used it in fantasy. Like, uh, didn't you have two wizards? Yeah, two <gasps> level twos. Yeah, that was your uh, bit of revenge from uh, not having a level two in the first game due to points yeah. limits. Yeah, because the Dark of the Mage was too expensive uh, for like Border Patrol to upgrade to level two. So I was just getting annihilated by like an, an Empire Fire Wizard. Now I had my revenge. And like uh, when we were starting playing, the other guys were like, well, I didn't take a wizard. I didn't take one either. I mean, what's the point really? And I, I was just sitting there 
smirking. Oh, so good. I had so I had two level twos, and one of them had an extra paradise, and one of them had like a magic missile bound item. So I just had like free reign, dark magic. I, you're like I didn't take a wizard either, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I took two. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe I, I've changed the meta in my group now. Maybe they will take wizards next time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, th- that's when you take. Uh... Uh, the magic item that uh, negates magic, right? Yeah. Exactly. Gotta be one step ahead. This one I have oh, my dwarves. <laughs> yeah, that is. I was thinking if you're still playing okay. the Dark Elves, if they have a magic item that negates or makes uh, other uh, medias miscast. Yeah, yeah. So next time, Nicholas is just gonna take like five assassins. <laughs> you just take the, an assassin with the mask that causes terror. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, did you make, no, did you but, make yeah. plans for, for next time, or how many points will you do next? And so? After seeing two wizards, they were like, no, Niklas, it's cool, we'll get back to you. We'll tell you when we want to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the guys were really excited, and uh, so there are only four of us now, but there's uh, like at least ten in the group, and the other guys couldn't make it, but they were really excited from seeing all the pictures. So They hopefully... couldn't make it after they heard that you had to- two sources <laughs> and a thousand points. <laughs> it's strange, because we saw a couple of them like, turn in the door, but it must have been someone else, I guess. <laughs> so uh, yeah hopefully we'll play soon again uh, probably it's just going to be a thousand points again uh, it's a nice level like 500 points is it's nice thank you it's nice to get started like that and you're able to have games but a thousand points like it feels like you're actually playing the game and it works as it should so uh, more balanced yeah, and yeah I think it's a good idea to like get the hang of the rules if you haven't played 6th edition 4 because I tried to introduce a dude to play who played Britonia for 2000 points and it got super hard for him to like, keep track of stuff. He he had a two-thousand-point army, and he didn't have a single magic item. Man. For well, Bretonia. It's uh, doable. It's not a good idea, but it's doable. Yeah, but his fluff... I've told you about him before, I think. You don't have to like remember it. But his fluff was basically had a bunch of disheveled peasants and uh, like disenfranchised knights. So for him, it worked, but it was like kind of rough. Did, because uh, I had like my blood dragons. Did he... Uh... Remember to take uh, the nightly woes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, that's, and I that's remind him that like his uh, Pegasus riders had magic weapons by default. Yeah, so long as it's a friendly game, it's a chance to learn. You don't yeah. have to crush him just because you make a mistake, so to speak. Well, I mean, I, I am an asshole on air, so I like have to keep that up in real real world as well. So like when I won, I grabbed an American football and spiked it in the floor and like, like yes, what you get when you mess with the warrior, Carla. Uh, but so that's that, why. So that's game. why you brought, only brought uh, banshees and uh, spirit hosts. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, and like uh, free level three necrarchs, and of course Melchior on a zombie dragon. Casual game. Yeah. Just gonna say though, for it's getting cut off again by Kral. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> I really like playing uh, dark elves. They're a, a ton of fun. Like uh, they're really mobile. They have a bit of everything. Because uh, like dwarves and Kislev are very much like they do their thing really good, but dark elves are really cool because they can have just a mix of everything. Has some light cab, has some really heavy cab, some infantry, loads of magic, some shooting. So ton of fun. So I'm really looking forward to playing more of them. I got a question about playing dark elves, Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Do you feel genuinely ashamed for betraying your genuine Davi heritage, or? Is it more like you don't even think about how grossly you betrayed the entire Davi race? Do you grudge yourself now? The the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> well played. Well, I've actually gotten some hobby done as well. 
Well, because that's where we are. <laughs> so what is it? Do tell. Sorry, I just got a bit of a cough there. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to a dear friend of mine, uh, Daniel, who bought me the uh, games, the Black Library Humble Bundle with uh, all of the new books that was released last week. When I, when he is, oh, so you're having COVID. Here, have a bunch of books to read. Oh, nice. You guys and then you're friends. in bed like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can even read. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, uh, it turned out that I couldn't because I was <laughs> too tired, <laughs> sleeping like 15 hours a day, a day <laughs> but uh, still appreciate it. And it's a lovely set. And it even got a, uh, a Warhammer book. Oh, they the still do that. Yeah, The Demon's Curse, A Tale of Malice Darkblade. Oh. Yeah, but it's a nice mix of uh, 40K, some Age of Sigmar, uh, some... Uh, uh, heresy books as well and uh, one of the best books that have been released by, from Black Library ever which is uh, Dead Men Walking oh, Is that the Necrons versus Death Corpse? Yeah, yeah. and they can't oh. really tell which one is more inhumane. Yeah, that's awesome It's a brilliant book mm. Who wrote that one? Uh, Steve Lyons, I think Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, So, any hobby done in between the yeah. sleeping and coffee? I have, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I based my models, uh, my Black Knights. They have been based. And uh, one has almost been finished painted as well, because it was almost one finished. And they're a bit purpley, but we'll see what happens when they've actually finished. It's a very nice purple. Chris almost died from COVID and still painted models. What's What's your your excuse? excuse? (laughs) Yeah, so, so, well, what was more, why was that my incentive to actually paint <laughs> <laughs> i'm dying must leave behind legacy <laughs> must finish painting anything uh, <laughs> and they're really good conversions as well did you, did you say that you used the yeah we talked about that in the last one it's uh i did uh, the black knights from uh that's currently available from games workshop there uh in the dual kit with uh they're called hex hex wraiths. Yeah, and but I'm using an entire Black Knight's uh, bodies and torsos. Then I use heads and arms from the uh, Death Rattle skeleton kits. You could call them Ghost Riders, and I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> yeah, but these won't be Ghost Riders. These will be Black Knights. No, you're a Black Knight. I just mean like the dual kit. Yeah, oh, I have hex, no, idea, I have no, no idea what the other ones are called. I bought them for a project and then shelled them for uh, a year. And then 3D print some Nicolas Cage heads. Put them on. <laughs> like the laughing yeah. heads. Maybe not. But I've actually had some progress. Uh, these will be finished uh, quite soon, and I hope they'll look good when they're finished. We'll see. Is it unit of five or more? Yeah, it's unit of five to start off with. I'm probably going to make it a larger unit later on when I've got some more models. But uh, for a thousand, po- a thousand point uh, starter list, it uh, should be okay, I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. For sure. For sure. Uh, and any new stuff we need to talk about? I don't think they've released anything fantasy since last. Or Kabanda. Does anyone want to use Kabanda as a, some demon of chaos, demon of corn? It's a nice demon. Yeah. Uh, you can see that uh, Sanguinius actually managed to break his back given how twisted one of his wings are. No? Oh, yeah, that's true. But isn't it just the angle of the picture? I don't know. It probably is, but from the picture they've chosen to show, it looks <laughs> like the, the wing is upside down. Yeah, very odd. Uh, 
I also told uh, Nicholas on our, our latest show that I think it's a shame that he wasn't posed in a way that he's fighting fighting Sanguinius. But then Nicholas pointed out, oh, you want him to be upside down falling? <laughs> That's exactly what I want. <laughs> Just doing like backstrokes through there. Yeah, it was so cool. Just put shove one of those translucent or transparent, I should say, uh, sticks in his butt. <laughs> like a flying stick, a flying base. <laughs> right? Well, problem yeah. solved. Maybe one of those big ones, the the one with the cross thing for flowers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, which hunter by Seal Verdard will be available during the Black Library celebration? Oh, that's news. Yeah, I think I saw they had some made to order, but I think that was only Lord of the Rings things. Yeah, this one was from the Black Library celebration. That's uh, uh, well, this month, the end of the month, or something like that. So, sorry guys, I, I have to like head off. My kid just woke up from all my babbling. Fair enough. You can probably hear in the background picking up rare models saying Vaidea. But you'll be back later for the Tomb King special. I will. Okay, I have to go. She got yeah. the Dia stuff. Oh shit. <laughs> run, <laughs> run. I ain't got therapist money, guys. <laughs> Bye. 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 So yeah, we're getting closer to the Total War release as well. Yeah, it's mm. uh, as we we record, it's eleven days until release. I do love uh, the previews that I've seen so far of people who got early access and stuff. Really nice. But what was that tweet thing that uh, about uh, Kislev? Is oh, that yeah. something you want to talk about, Nicholas? Oh, god damn it! So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just one more thing that's the news before. They have really they are going to release a new jetty for Blood Bowl that you could use as an armored jetty for whatever you want oh, to really? use an armored jetty for. I didn't now, see that yet. Okay. Yeah, there was someone that got a mispack and posted, wait, what's this? And they just posted a, uh, the contents because they're gonna order something else but got a jetty instead. What's up with those? How can they do these mistakes? I don't know. They're probably quote unquote mistakes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's free marketing, yeah. pretty much. That is that is true. But yeah. So, Nicholas, how about that uh, little sleeping bear? Yeah, let me rant. So they released a, a new legendary lord for Kessel, uh, which is Boris Urson, which is in the book. It was in the book, the the Kiss of pamphlet from Sixth Edition, and he is the classic. Model that everyone knows, Boris and a bear, and uh, yeah, he's who really is cool. he? Who is he to the Sarina? He's her dad. So, uh, like in the the book, he's like set in a different time period. It's like before she grows up. Yeah, that's when he's, he was dead uh, in the current timeline. In yeah, that's when he was Sar. And then, like, he died fighting orcs when she was little, and then she grew up and became Sarina. So, like, when she is the Sarina, which is in the game now, in the new Total War, he's already dead. And then they're saying, like, oh, but he wasn't really dead. He was just <gasps> hibernating like a bear. Oh. And then, like, he comes back or something. Makes but, sense. But even, like, if that happened, like, if he was, like, mortally wounded by an orc and then just crept into, like, a, a cave with his bear and just, like, decided to sleep and... Uh, become like magically healed by Kissa or something. Mm -hmm. Even if that happened, which is ridiculous, then when he came out, wouldn't he like reclaim the 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 kingdom that is 
piss because he's the Tsar. Like uh, the Tsar them. But well, well, will won't he represent a separate faction though from Katarina? Um, so you have some sort of civil war thing, maybe. But he's... so. It is believed that he vanished while fighting the forces of chaos, but Creative Assembly recently announced on Twitter that he has been freed from hibernation and that he was coming to Warhammer 3 as a new legendary lord. This means that, at the time of writing, Kislev is the only faction with three legendary lords at launch. Boris isn't available straight away, however, you need to unlock him first in order to play his campaign. Wow, that's new. They haven't had that in the game, right? So you have to fight or win some campaign to unlock him, basically, or something. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's weird. Do you want I mean, to know how you unlock him? Yeah. To unlock Tsar Boris Bok uh, as an, a playable legendary lord, you first need to play a campaign as either Sarina, Katarin, or Kostaltin. Okay. I mean, that's while, a bit of a weird. Uh, well, I mean, while playing, oh, yeah. yeah, while playing as either of these Kislev characters, you need to capture and hold Prague, Kislev, and Erangrad. Once you've held these settlements for at least ten turns, you get a quest that let you release Boris Ursus. Oh, so you can play with him in that campaign? Oh, you have you have to once you've completed the quest, you unlock him as a playable legendary lord. You don't need to finish the campaign you're playing, although you can choose whether to have Boris become a friendly NPC faction or join your faction as an additional legendary lord that you control. Okay, but that's that's fun. Then you at least get to use him because otherwise it's like, oh yeah, I just finished this Kislev campaign and now I can play another Kislev campaign with this guy. <laughs> I'd rather just be able to choose him from the start. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh... It's strange, but it's also like I understand why they want to include him because he is like an iconic Kislev model, like one of. <laughs> yeah, would you rather that they made up two new legendary lords? I mean, they already have the the patriarchy and everything, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of on uh, Games Workshop it, from the start with this guy. Like, why why did they even have two special characters in the book with only like five units? And have them like set in different timelines. Why couldn't they make like Boris general of the army instead of Boris dad to the Serena, but now dead? Like it mm. doesn't make any sense. No, it is a bit weird. Yeah. Well, but hey, you can get more. You can have him riding his bear with more bear calf and stuff. You're gonna have the time of your life. Yeah. Well, still excited, but uh, got a bit upset when they announced that. Yeah. yeah, but but you have already pre-ordered the game, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chris, will you play it also? Will you get it? Yeah, we had it installed for like three months. Ah, oh, so you, what <laughs> you can do that already? Yeah, if you have uh, the Xbox Game Pass, uh, I got nice. it, so I don't get the uh, Ogre Kingdoms. Okay. Launch. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm f- figuring maybe just to pick it all up uh, on the, the Steam Summer Sale next year. <laughs> Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> it's gonna be um, interesting to see. I like how they, the map, how it's sort of centered around the pole in a way. It's all twisted and not in the way we're used to seeing it. Um, but I wonder how they will incorporate them all into some sort of big Mortal Empires map. It'll be cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I really hope they just put the the whole world on there. Uh, like I, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be balanced because also like in the. Total War Two with the Mortal Empires thing, uh, you don't get like the south of Lustria in that. Yeah, it, it is a bit problems. You're right. Yeah, but like yeah, they you have don't the, get all, all of the Southlands. Yeah, exactly. But you have all those parts in the the Vortex campaign. 
So they could just like put everything into one campaign. I so guess like, it takes up too much space, computer space or something. Yeah, well, fucking let people that have fast computers try that out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and maybe bring back the old don't show and everything that happens button that you could put in the settings in front of the old Total War games. Oh. Yeah. Speed up the yeah, the enter. Yeah. 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 You don't have to like go through what every faction does if you can't see what they're doing anyway. Yeah, they used to didn't they, that used to be in the Total War that uh, pretty much expanded as when you saw when you discovered other factions. Yeah, yeah, it used to be like that. Well, I think uh, the um, Chaos Undivided is really cool uh, at the moment, and the way you can customize your demon prints and stuff, and uh, that you can make sort of a mix because uh, I don't know. I mean, it just means you have more units to choose from than going. For just one of the armies of chaos, right? One of the gods. Yeah, you yeah. can make an entirely undivided yeah. list for the demons, which is uh, quite nice. Yeah, you get bonuses for having like mono armies. Surely there has to be, otherwise it would be a bit weird. Uh, and I guess also that each of the gods will get more units in the future, right? I mean, we don't have all the mortals, I guess yet. There could be more beastmen and everything in the. I think most of the demon units are in there already. Yeah. It would be really cool to have like one army of Nurgle and one army of Slanesh moving around the, the map. Yeah, yeah. But they seem to have a lot of all these different special abilities, right? Where Nurgle, they send your plagues around and you get bonuses and everyone else gets negative effects. And then you have Slanesh where you can sort of bribe the, arm, the next army to buy their units or seduce them. Oh, nice. So I guess if you get a really good uh, economy and you have a lot of money, you can win every battle by just buying <laughs> the best units from the enemy. It's um, I don't know. I guess good that they, a good way to try to solve how do you represent all these weird uh, chaos factions in a good way. So I don't know. Will be nice to see anyway. But um, I guess that will be a way to get more legendary lords in for those factions, right? Because you don't have any of the uh, the mortal guys right like what's or well i don't know how mortal they are or how much of a demon they are but you you know what i mean um like val valkia or what's her name yeah yeah the bloody yeah sigwald sigwald yeah uh the changeling what's his name i guess there are quite a lot of special characters that they can throw throw in as legendary lords in the future yeah there's uh, probably a few per chaos god actually yeah, but it's looking nice. It's looking nice. So, should we go to a break and then come back with? Yeah, I was uh, actually thinking the same along the yeah. same lines because uh, we have a. I'm, I'm a, surprised that we didn't mention it at the beginning of the episode, but uh, <laughs> uh, this is uh, the intro of our Tomb King special, and after the break, we'll have our Tomb King special. <laughs> <laughs> what a great teaser! Hopefully, it's in the. <laughs> In the name of the, the episode, so I'm just gonna call it the uh, Hobbish at dash February 2022. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know this is just an Easter egg for whoever had the energy to stay along, like, oh, yeah. But uh, right. as I said, there will be a break, and uh, we'll see you in the next part of the episode. As they say, when you walk in quicksand, stick around. Oh, you there, you need something, Quan. 
proper smash and stuck four crossbow bolts in it. For the low, low price of a tooth per head, we'll get the job done, and that's a guarantee. And welcome back to the second part of the episode with uh, our little Tomb King special. Woohoo! Mm. Apparently, that's I all the woohoo we're we'll getting for this, but uh, yeah. I hate sand. Yeah. It's coarse and rough, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> I wish I was more like you, Chris. Liking sand or. What are talking about? Princess among the stars. <laughs> I think that's as far as that analogy goes. Yes, today yeah, we're covering I'm the Tomb Kings. I'm going to go over here and die of sadness. Where every story has a grain of truth in it. You can ride home to mummy about it. And you don't have to be sand about it yeah. anymore. We're here to tell you the entire unadulterated story. Yeah, so today we're covering, we're covering Tomb Kings. <laughs> I was a bit unsure how to do this because I haven't really led one of these episodes for a while. And I say that hesitantly. So basically, I've got all the referential material in one hand. And just like when you used to write your thesis for university, I was about to state what materials I've perused. Um, I, uh, I used the following books. But to get the entire stories about the origins of Camry, as well as the entirety of the Tomb King's lineage, I went back to ye old favorite Warhammer Armies Undead, which that's fourth edition, right, Chris? Or is it fifth? Has to be fourth. Yeah, I think it is. Then 6th edition Tomb Kings and 8th edition Tomb Kings. The origins of Nikihara. I'm going to do this a bit for our Swedish listeners. And if you want to follow along, and när du hör denna signal så vet att det är dags att vända blad. Piff och puff vände sig. Mattan rörde sig. Oskar insåg. Så basically... Uh, I don't know if we have people who still listen, but since the Vampire Count episode, which we recall, recorded like two and a half years ago, I once referred to the 4th edition Undead book as The Amazing Adventures of Nagash and some other people. And I still stand by that assertion. But if you ever want to find out what Nagash did and why he was such a tremendous asshole to anyone who isn't undead, which, again, why aren't you undead? It's just the peak way of living. So the origin of the Tomb Kings is pretty self-sufficient and sufficient. Basically, and I'm paraphrasing it pretty heavily, but there was a bunch of different minor kings and nobles in which counts as Warhammer World of, uh, I guess, Maghreb rather than Mashrik, which is North Africa as well as like the interior of the continent. Uh, basically, fantasy Bronze Age Egypt, where people fought for dominance and the minor kingdoms rose and falls like mighty mountains of sand only to return once again to the hailness of desert. Then one day came the king among kings, the lord of lessers, he who should rule the dunes from here until further, Setra the imperishable, Setra he who shall be named, Setra ruler of all. Setra was, fun fact, the first priest king, meaning that, and again, this goes back to Pesedjet, which is the real-life Egypt equivalency, uh, means that he was anointed by the priesthood while also wearing the crown of the rulers. This is something that actually happened in real life, but they just mentioned in passing in Tomb Kings, and I thought that was kind of neat. Setra united an entirety of what would later be the Tomb King area, which is the larger area which Setra comes from, Kemri, as well as all of the other outlying areas. So I'm not really good at Bronze Age historical allegories, or I guess Mashrik in general, which is a shame. I could probably tell you a lot more about like Sumerian or Urenkidu stuff. Anyway, 
being sort of vague proto-Alexander, like a lot of GW early design choices, uh, he wept because he realized that he could not unite the world under his banner because he didn't have enough time. He did, however, sponsor the priesthood, which would later become the leech priests. And the leech priests acquired eldritch sorcery, foul and fair from all over the world, which is as far as they touch in that. You could assume somewhat that they've tamed the wind of... Which, what's the wind of death? Is it shish? No? Chris? I think so. Shyish. Shyish, thanks. As well as the wind of heaven, which is Morton. Heavens? Good yeah. heavens. Ashik? Asurik? I don't know. Like This is not like me testing you guys. It's, this is me uh, not having an idea. Isn't it Asir? Because they're basically the realms Asir, of... Yeah. Uh, realms of uh, Just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> just google that shit so young morton so young so anyway they acquired the knowledge and lore from multiple civilizations and this is like thousands of years before the age of sigmar so again you have to think of it like this is the bronze age civilizations the major free ones while the rest of the world is more or less like pillaging and fighting and small fiefdoms and chieftains you wouldn't be entirely remiss yeah just think of it like the tv series vikings but 250 years before that technology wise no ocean-going vessels. However, in Kemri, Setra lies to die. But the Lish priests have, for years, if not decades, prolonged their unnatural state of being in their lives. They have now lived for centuries, and they swear to the dying king that one day he shall return, anointed, rebuilt, gilded in form, being in a celestial temperament, suited his new, now new divine body. He will rise again, and he will rule Kemri as is his lot, for he's the king among kings. So Setra is the first tomb king to be entombed in a giant pyramid. So basically, you know the story after this, right? The empire falls in on itself. It doesn't last. We, we never find out if we use the Carolingian model, just strict hair policy. But a bunch of tomb kings rise and fall in the meanwhile, and they all get their own snazzy pyramid. Uh, fun fact, as an historical aside, there aren't that many pyramids in a wall. I mean, we, we all tend to think that like, oh, we had all these super successful pharaohs and they all had these huge fuck off pyramids, which is not really true. You have like the pyramids of Giza, which is an outlier, but most of them were fairly smaller. So anyway, each and every man who would become a tomb king rises and falls, dies and is buried. And the Lish priest march on. They build on their forbidden lore, and they are not capable of living, if you could call it living, for centuries in the same body, all the while ostensibly supporting the monarchy and finding a way to restore Setra to the throne. Then, roughly, roughly 2,000 years after the death of Setra, arose a magnificent king, the name of <laughs> and his unmentionable high priest brother, known as Nagash. Yes, that Nagash. Nagash murders the shit of his brother, and blood-soaked blood hands, still dripping, sits on the throne. Nobody really calls him on it. And that's literally what it says. Men too afraid to call his terrible treachery to truth. Uh, Nagash, looking at the Lish priest model, goes like, yeah, that, but better. And starts experimenting with whales, ways foul and hidden. This is where we divert a bit, because in the fourth edition Undead book, again, The Powerful Adventures of Nagash and Company, it turns out that Nagash just offhandedly created the first vampires out of nowhere. Whereas in the Tomb King's book, it's pretty clearly stated that the nation of Lamia created the first one with forbidden lore mixed with, of course, the blood <laughs> sacrifice of the ancients. 
And it's kind of funny because in one of the older books, they all finally mentioned that the reason that Lamia could ever master it is because they had the Druhi assistance in putting together the connotated Elixir of Light. And now we have to jump over to like the Vampire Count 6th edition to get the story of the Lamian vampires, the initial priesthood of vampirism. But we're not going to do that. Anyway, in the Undead in Tomb King's 6th edition book, am I speeding through this too fast, by the way, guys? No, I like it. It's a good pace. Oh, cool. It's unusual for me trying to be fairly succinct, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> the vampires rise up. Uh, the people get freaked out because shit be freaky, bro. Uh, nobody really likes them. There's a huge rebellion, and the vampires defeated, and they flee to Nagash's side. Nagash makes each and every one of these defeated vampires his new lieutenants. Nagash raises the first dead ever to walk the earth. And people are horrified as beings. Now, this is covered a bit further in Tomb King's 8th edition. But as Nagash builds his mighty black vampire in what is central Nikah- uh, central central land, basically, incorporated. Copyright, do not steal. Original character. Uh, he builds a huge blackened vampire from stone that they're not quite certain where it comes from. Now, this is kind of a fun aside as well. Because I remember in the older books, they made it pretty clear that the way they got the original black stone was from dealing with Skaven uh, in exchange oh. of actually getting warp stone. And there used to be... Ah, Chris, do you remember what's the name of the guy that uh, that the French like vampire chick fights? In uh, Adolphus Krieger? Is it? Yeah. Genevieve, in like the first Genevieve book. Oh, in the Genevieve book. I was, I was thinking in the uh, Vampire Slayer book. Oh, yeah, no. no, Yeah, no, it's a good one, too. Uh, yeah, Drakenfell. <laughs> I should reach for the book here. Uh, it's said in, like, the first one. This is also kind of fine. We mentioned it in Vampire Count 6th edition. Uh, Drakenfell's was a pretty integrated part of the lore way back. He was, like, apparently the first major necromancer since Nagash. And he helped, like, orchestrate the rise. And then he just got written out of Warhammer fans in totality. So Nagash got the Black Stone from, well, I guess, various sources. Builds his huge brooding black pyramid which is hundreds of meters large it's a tremendous complex it dwarfs the throne of eve etc and then he releases the plagues upon egypt we're talking moses like levels of plagues here the water becomes tainted the people become sick the undead terrify them and none can stand against the waves of nagash except for the legendary hero alcazar it can't is no it can't be alcazar right alcazar i'm remembering i'm misremembering that has to be let me see here books aid me no yeah there we go no not alcazar alcadizar 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 uh, whose wife so what you're meaning to tell us is that it isn't a swedish uh, disco pop band that fought my gosh i've not seen her nor a saint (laughs) i'm just gonna lose that's actually the music they played on like the giant brass horns as he charged against nagash in a feudal fight Okay. So every, every, time, every time you see a skeleton uh, with uh, one of those horns, you know yeah, that the music comes out. It's yeah. not the uh, eerie dooting or anything. It is pop disco. Yeah, <laughs> Swedish Swedish 2000 disco. I mean, um, actually, didn't you know that? It's been in the, the lore for a long time. Uh, the hero Alcadizar rallied the shadow remnants of the nation. Uh, unfortunately, in futility, he had seen his wife, Neferata, not that one, uh, dying from the plague. So he galvanized the last of Lish priesthood 
He galvanized the remaining of the tomb princes in the feudal kingdoms, and thousands upon thousands of chariots crashed against the waves of undead that Nagash had summoned forth. Alas, to no avail. He was captured, and in the fourth edition book, Nagash holds an entire monologue that goes on for like four four paragraphs, and with the tainted lord therein, he breaks Alcadizar's mind because he's now revealed his grand plan. He's going to kill the entirety of Kemri, raise it again, and then conquer the world with his undead legions. Alcadizar is, in classic Bond villain manager, imprisoned beneath the temple of Nagash just to witness the death of his nation, you know, just break his spirit, and then see how futile ever resistance was. Now, this is where it becomes kind of coy, because in the fourth edition book, it's very clear that the Skaven break in, because they want all the warp stone underneath Nagash's Black Pyramid, and gives Alcadizar the Dire Blade. In later books, they say that hunched figures emerged and gave him the blade. Alcadizar gets up, chops the, head off, chops the hand of Nagash, chops the head of Nagash, and walks out of the story. <laughs> the crown of Nagash and the Dire Blade is found by some Hamung later on, and they put it on and get corrupted, and the circle repeats. Now, this is where the story of Kemri begins, with its ending, with a deadly genesis. The pathogenesis of the Kemri nation comes from all of its death, because the one thing that Nagash's grand necromantic spell didn't kill was the Lish priesthood. Actually, something they never realized was that they were now effectively immortal. The spell had worked on the premise that anything living should die, and thusly, the averse was true. The reverse was true. They're averse to life, I guess. So the Lish priesthood have now arisen as the only remaining life in Kemri. And they realize they got some explaining to do. They go and they hear a great banging from beyond. And there, upon the pyramid of Setra, they open the gilded gates and find the Setra himself, the imperishable, the unbreakable, he who sings, has awoken. And he's pissed because this shitty ass crumbling mummy body is not what I imagined. Turns out that all the tomb kings had been awoken, and for years they have broken their mighty skeleton legions against one another to once again claim dominion over Kemri. So, Setra does what a king does. He commands. He sets the Lish priest to the side because they have failed him. This is not an immortal body perfected beyond necessity. This is a shattered shell, yet duty perseveres, and kings has noblesse oblige. What is it? Noblesse oblige? My French is shit, so feel free to correct me, Chris or Morton. One of you guys statistically have to have read like French in school. Noblesse oblige? He has the obligations of nobility, so he commands. The tomb kings are to be returned to their pyramids, their eternal rest and vigilance restored. Until such a time as Scepter marches forth and unites them all under his banner, they shall rest and awake only when called upon. And that's where we are now, basically. I mean... There's a great divide in the community as to can you ever include Tomb Kings in like a narrative campaign. Uh, there's a couple of examples in the 6th and 8th edition book, but basically if orcs ever come across the line or divide, the Tomb Kings awaken. <laughs> if uh, Marco Colombo comes in and like heists a couple of things out of a pyramid, the Tomb Kings awaken. They will walk to the ends of the earth until they actually find these items. Setra is specifically said to only awaken if he's needed to unite the banners of men underneath him. So there we are. The initial story of the Tomb Kings. There are a couple of other things I omitted, but most of them actually tie into vampire lore. And as we know, I can go on for days about vampire lore. But I'm going to read you something like really fun. Uh, can any one of you tell me where the first like unit entry for Tomb Kings was in the books? The Old Undead book. Yeah. 
And I'm going to read you. Mummies come from the ancient tombs of Araby, the desert lands far to the south of the old world. They're plucked from their tombs and sold by merchants to the curious, commanding an extremely high price. The ancient people of that land were a race of warriors and magicians, but their chief preoccupations were death and necromancy. All that remains of them today are the ruins of their temples, their tomb, and their mummies. <laughs> so basically, in 4th edition, the mummies were just from Araby. And they kept being smuggled out and somehow just found their hands into powerful necromancers, awoke them and just said like, you know, people have just been shitting on you for centuries and they fought with them, just fought under the banner for a long uh, time. Well, it was either that or been turned into paint. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, that <laughs> was like real life. Burn steam engines. Yeah, that was real life. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyway, that's the brief, I guess as brief as I can do it, history of the Tomb Kings. We're here mainly to talk about 6th edition Tomb Kings, I guess. Well, I guess we are. Uh, we have a huge unit entry. A lot of what I said for the Vampire accounts actually carries over into the Tomb Kings as well. The differentiation, the core differentiation rule-wise, is magic for the Tomb Kings. Uh, when you play the Tomb Kings, you always have to have two stated things. The first one is the leader of the army, which is the foci of the army, a Tomb Prince or Tomb King. And you have to have a Lich Priest, or a High Lich Priest, I guess. Now, the thing with the Lich Priest is they have magic, but sort of they don't. Uh, you have a meager, let's see, one, two, three, four, four spells, yeah. One is a magic missile, one lets you shoot again, one lets you march, which counts as a charge, and one lets you uh, resurrect D3 wounds. Uh, these work as bound spells, so whenever you want to cast it, you choose a spell, and if you have a Lich Priest, you roll two D6s, and that's the power rating. If you have a high Lich Priest, you roll 3d6 power, uh, power spells. Uh, these are not power dices, and it specifically says they can't be negated by enemy items, nor stolen or anything similar, which is like good and bad. Uh, it also specifically says, freaking high elves, Chris over there, feeling good. Items which modify the power level of spell rolls do affect incantations, such as the highest spell Drain Flame and the magic item Amulet Purifying Flames. Uh, miscast and her irresistible force do not apply to incantations, but the rules of automatic failures do apply to spell attempts made in the attempt magic phase. So then there's like uh, an order for magic. First, you have to use all bound items not used by characters. Icon bearer has to use the bound items, then the tomb prince, the tomb king, and heretic hierarchy. Now, the tomb king and the Tomb Prince actually get to cast one of these incantations as well. And if I remember correctly, they can use either the march, fight, or shoot one. So basically, your magic lets you do one of the four things. Throw a magic missile, which is uh, march, uh, which leads into a charge, which is actually a highly potent use. Shoot again, which is good if you have a bunch of skeleton bowmen, or resurrect. It's a very limited amount of wounds. Uh, for skeletons, you can actually resurrect a D6 or 2D6, depending on what kind of magician you have, or wizard. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the ma it's kind of weird because they're one of those armies that have their very own magic phase, but it's also unimpressive, but it's very basically supportive. I don't know. Have either one of you ever faced Tomb Kings? Yep. What do you guys think about their magic? Is it like you, you lean back and laugh or is it like, oh shit, edge of the seat? Well, given that my on, my, on, an, average, uh, on an average game, I always burn out my mages by turn two. I can't really comment on how effective other magic is. It has happened too too many times to be more than more than just a coincidence. It's more of a trend at this point statistically. I kept that, I kept wondering about that. that like, did you pee in a holy place or something, or like step on the shadow of a black cat wasn't usually large? 
do you do you regularly yeah. have like a huge black dog howling outside of your house? Like, what did you do? Yeah, that's just depression. <laughs> have you ever considered <laughs> that maybe it's sort of depression, but also a potent curse that follows your bloodline through the ages? Well, it would explain a lot of things. So, I mean, again, core units. You have skeleton warriors. You can have them with bows. I'm going to use a bunch of bows. Uh, skeleton light horsemen and tomb swarms. Swarms are basically the old swarm rules, except they have poison attacks. Uh, you also have the heavy horsemen, which is basically <laughs> basically light horsemen, but they have light armor and shields. Uh, Price-wise, I mean, it's the same thing I've said before. The only difference between these and the vampire count skeletons is that they come with a shield for free. You can have hand weapon and shield. I mean, yeah. The thing you really need to focus on is the chariot. You get one chariot for 40 points, and it comes in up to size of 12. They're super powerful. Like, if you ever think that Cavalry Hammer is with 6th edition, you should really see a huge amount of chariots coming down. The light chariot rule for the Tomb Kings means that they can actually navigate pretty easily. They swing super easily, and they get these side charges in pretty coolly. If you have a Tomb King in your army, you can have the Shards as your core choice. Otherwise, you could just have like a super small bespoken army and have Tomb Swarms. You could have like six Tomb Swarms split into two units, and that's your troop choices. Like we spoke about for every army. In 6th edition, theoretically, you could have a really small army. I think that's the way to do it here. Yeah, and if you want to know more about the Light Cavalry and the Chariots, we talk about that in our Cavalry Tacticus. I have nothing really to add there because I'm not better than you guys at the game in any way. I was, and, and if you would listen to the Tacticus, you get uh, them compared to other units as well. In, yeah, like, favorably, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're good. You can basically split the Tomb King army rules-wise into three distinct units. And I'm just talking about Mayhem. The first one is like the, slight, the slightly smaller skeletons. Then you have the faster cavalry because they have a lot. They have a surprising amount of cavalry. And the third one is the huge beady monsters, beady meaty monsters. You have the Shabti, you have the Tomb Scorpion, you have a Tomb Giant. Uh, basically, they follow the same sort of, uh, I was going to say the same material, but they're big yeah. beady monsters. Like the Shabti are basically like, they're the carved statues you imagine at the entrance of pyramids. You have the classic ones. You have the Bastet head, the cat. You have the Horus, like the eagle. They're really cool sculpts. They're big. They're beady. They're a bit slow. But if you want fast units, you have your cavalry. These are basically the anvil to your hammer. You shore up a line with them. Another thing we should mention, of course, is that you have a special rule known. It came from below. And you can have this on your tomb swarms. You got to help me out there, Chris. Tomb swarms, tomb scorpion. And I think that's it, right? You can give it some units as well with magic items. Yeah, I think that's it. Basically, it's the old reserve rule. You can't come in. If you use it from came from below, uh, You on the second turn, you roll dice. And on four plus, you come in. Third turn, three plus, and so forth. Uh, you come in, you roll a scatter dice and artillery dice, and then you deploy it. If you scatter onto a unit, it counts as you charging them, which is really good. I mean, it comes as you charging them, and you can get a flank or a rear charge with a scorpion, which is the ideal situation. If you get a misfire, it gets a bit worse. One to two, they're destroyed, but the enemy get no points for the destruction. Three to four, they are destroyed, but the enemy gets victory points. Five to six, the enemy can place them wherever they want on the entire map. So like in front of your cannon, or just in range of shooting them. Uh, I have not played this army yet, but I would for sure use it came from blow. My army is not super big. <laughs> I did it just to fill up all the points, like a couple of years ago. 
Uh, so I have one scorpion and I have like six tomb swarms. And just the idea of having a bunch of swarms coming up from the sand, the ability to attack somebody from below strikes me as incredibly fun. Tomb swarms are like very small. <laughs> They're swarm small skirmishers. Uh, but they do have poison attacks, strength two, toughness two, <laughs> five wounds, five attacks. But I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Do you remember that scene from The Mummy when Omar Jalibi tries to steal scarabs and they just swarm all over him and consume him from within? <laughs> That's sort of what I'm imagining. Yeah. Uh, the, the I don't know why it sounded like that one, but okay, do, do, do. The Tomb Scorpion is strength five, toughness five, four wounds. It's an undead conscript construct which means that they lose wounds but they get two less wounds if they're in close in the 12 inches battle standard bearer they have five plus save poison attack killing blow and magic resistance one one of these in the side of your like in the side of your archers like your firemen your dwarves will ruin your day i just i just love them so much chris i don't know what to say like they're so good they're so freaking good and they're characterful as well for the army because yeah. no one else have them. No one else has anything like him. Uh, you also have like the old fourth edition uh, screaming skull. It's a catapult. Like what do you want me to say? Uh, the difference is that they they do magical attacks and flaming attacks, and uh, you do a minus one to leadership if you hit someone with it. Then you have, of course, I mean, the Casket of Souls. I mean, when I think of Tomb Kings and you have to think of like a bespoken unit besides Scorpion and like the Shirt, I have to think about this unit. Yeah. It's basically the forbid. it's the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones, the Last Crusade. So the, the, the only thing similar in the game is the uh, Altar of Doom for the Dwarves. Oh, yeah, it is, right? Because I keep thinking yeah. that the Dark Elves have one, but that's later editions, isn't it? Well, they do have the. Ultron? Uh, and the. What is it called? Oh, hey, Morton, call, we're call we're talking about the Casket of Souls. Yeah. yeah, they have the Cauldron of Blood, but it isn't the same. It isn't the same in the sixth edition. It still has some bound shit. Like all yeah. of them. I mean, uh, I'll get back to the, all the Casket of Souls. Just got to ask, what's your opinion? Like the magic that the Tomb Kings use, Morton? Have you ever faced Tomb Kings? Uh, no, I haven't. So I have no, sorry, no uh, data on that. <laughs> uh, but you said before that it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's shit, what are you talking about? Fun? Their own lore specifically? Or... Oh, no, that's an eighth edition. It's shit. Uh, in okay. sixth edition, we'll just repeat it quickly. They have like five spells. No, four spells. One is a shooting one. One is like regain wounds or resurrect skeletons. One is move and potentially charge. One is fight again. And one is shoot again. Okay. And you roll 2d6 for the power rating, but it always goes off unless you cancel it. Oh, okay. I thought it was weird in eighth edition that they didn't have any like dedicated race dead. Because that just seems like, oh, you're an undead faction. You should have some sort of necromancy spell. But it's it was a... more of an attribute. Like, a- anytime you do a spell, you get some back? Or Yeah, it's like egregious because the Vampire Counts had two different ones in 8th edition. You had like Raise Dead, create new units, and then you had like Invocation of the Heck. Yeah, exactly. But why, why not for Tomb Kings? Are they, is it because they're raised, they're dead in a different matter? Is it like it takes time and you have this... Yeah, it's because they don't have stuff. unlimited dead. They just have, ah. like, everyone who willingly gave their life and walked into the tomb of a tomb king. Mm. I think we talked way back in, like, episode six or something of Emperor Counts. The tomb kings preserve their souls. We mentioned this in the intro, I guess, which we totally recorded just now. That was not pre-recorded in any manner. How dare you, fellow <laughs> listener? Uh, so, basically, they walked willingly into death and servitude forever, and their mindless automatons. 
the vampire count can just resurrect anyone who just died, but the tomb kings have to like carefully preserve the being, the ka of a person who died into the bones and bring them back. So yeah, well, yeah it's I, like a lower attribute, but you get D3 plus one, which is just an insult. <laughs> yeah, that's not a lot. But I, I, I mean, I understand the aspect that you want to make them different. But I, I think that's cool. But I still think like, oh, shouldn't they be able to summon a bit more? Or I don't know. And I don't know how good the spells are. Maybe they are not good in, in their own right. But in they can also take lore of light, right? And death, I think, in 8th edition. Yeah, in 6th edition you can't. In 6th edition you can take like this one. Because they ah. do incantations instead of magic. I but see, one I thing see. I should mention, I guess, is that they have an unseemingly large amount of magic items. Like, I compared it. They have five pages of magic items anyone can use. The Vampire Count book has four, I guess. But then it's split up. You know, like, these ones can only be used by a blood dragon. These ones can only be used by, like, a homeless angry man who lives under an overpass. Sorry, Strigoi. And these can be used by the objectively best vampires ever, blood dragons. So, you know, here anyone can use them. If I was going to tell you the Cask of Souls, what would be your guess that the cheapest you can get one is, like, in points? Isn't like 165 points plus a high priest? Oh yeah, plus a lich priest. Do you know what it comes up to at a minimum? Some 400 points. Oh, close. 280. What? 280 points. Wait, do you think that's cheap? You sound like positively surprised. I yeah, think I heard a guess. Yeah, the high priest costs 245 points. Yeah, but you can have a lich priest for 115. Ooh. Yes, you don't have to have like the high priest. You could just take like a lich priest, which brings it up to 280. <laughs> And I mean, it's kind of weird because anyone who can draw a line of sight oh, to right. it. <laughs> All right. I always miss that uh, the rich priest can take it as well. Yeah. So it has like a slew of special rules. It's a war machine, but when this, let's see, where is it? Um, there you go. It affects all enemy units that can draw a line of sight from to the casket itself. So I mean, can you see? You can't see through other units, right? Or can you? I think it's direct line of sight. It's clarified yeah. in a FAQ somewhere. Roll a 2d6 and deduct the unit's leadership. So that's going to be like, what, 2d6 is 8? What's the average unit of like a human? Is that 8 or 6 or 7? You're asking me. I don't yeah. say humans. Okay, well, but what's the elf leadership? It's probably something ridiculous like 10 or I don't know. Uh, 8, 9 or 10 depending on the unit. I think because oh, there's some with 8. Same with dwarves. Yeah, so let's say you deduct the ship. That scores the number of wounds the unit suffers with no armor saves distributed as for shooting. Uh, they also... <laughs> all enemy wizards suffer minus one or total casting rolling dice. Uh, they cause terror. And I mean, that's it. I, I think it has the ability to be a really funny thing because you put on the casket and then you put down like your cavalry and you keep out of the way. And then you jump up behind someone with like a scorpion or some tomb swarms, and they just have to look straight into it, and their face melts. I mean, how many guys do you have to lose to make like a panic check, Chris, in an army? If you have a unit of like 20, do you have to lose like, what is it, 10%? No? You're asking me like I've played the game in the <laughs> post-pandemic time. <laughs> Statistically speaking, you have played the game more than me throughout your life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I am just, uh, I'm still recuperating from <laughs> from being ill, so I'm not really sure. No, do, do, do complicated math. Dance for me. Okay, let's say just for uh, sake of, let's say you have to lose like 10% or let's see, let's say it's, I think it's worth it. You can, you can reduce people's leadership and it's 2d6 plus two. I mean, 
just roll just rolled good dice, dude. Just like roll well. I think it might be worth it. I'm gonna take one because I painted up and I was fairly happy with the painting modus, which is my modus operandi for deploying units in general. Like, was I happy painting this thing? Does it spark joy? Yes, I will use it. Would it win me games? No, but I'll have fun. Well, I mean, yeah. The cask of souls, I've got a bone giant, uh, which is hilariously underwhelming for what it costs. It's like 300 points, <laughs> movement six. It's like a giant, right? I wish Jimmy was here so he could tell us like the actual schematic difference between like a bone giant and a giant. It's undead, so it causes terror, actually. Oh, if I was fair. Five plus armor save. Uh, yeah, when it charges, uh, for every wounding hit that the Bone Giant inflicts when it charges, the Bone Giant gets to make an additional attack. And such additional attacks can also benefit from Unstoppable Assault rule, which I guess is like basically the old, old, old Blood Angels rule. Remember, like the Furiosa Dreadnought could keep attacking, yeah. basically indefinitely. It has that rule. And there's also a whole set of alternative rules for it in White Dwarf. Is it? Oh yeah, is that when you yeah. could like basically build your own giant or uh, rare unit bone, bone giant two hundred ten points weapons and armor hand weapon heavy armor total armor save of three plus then you have options maybe given one of the following additional hand weapon giant bow great weapon or a shield oh cool and the giant bow are a strength five d uh, three wounds. I don't know cool, like coolest coolest option the bow does it work like uh, like a bolt thrower. Yeah, it's a strength 5d3 wounds. Uh-huh. So it's like, it's like goblin. Is it, goblin. Bow, is it bow of the desert or something in 8th edition? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, in 8th edition you can give it a bow of the desert or an additional hand weapon or a great weapon. Yeah. Also you can move and fire with the bow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in 8th uh, edition it's it's strength 6, multiple wounds, d3. Yeah. But, and in this uh, version it do get the bonus rules from uh, Kalida. Oh, yeah, yeah, get, uh, the boss of Azaf. There's a task, so you can uh, remember the last target, and so you can draw a line of sight over smaller targets. So you can just have it like a walking ball thrower. That is cool. And it yeah. still comes with uh, the hand weapon at that point as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cover, like, there are, there are only two special characters. One is Setra, and I think most people have phased him. I'm actually going to talk three. about... Uh, what? Are there three in total war? Sehenes met the Vizier of Qatar. In the high, in this book, there's only two. Yeah, he was released in White Wolf alongside the Bone Giant. Uh, yeah, is that Sehenes met the Vizier of Qatar? Yeah. Because he's mentioned in the Mighty Heroes of Nekahara, like King Far, Sehenes met uh, P- Prince Tutankhanut. I love how they're basically as histor- they're historical characters with like the serial numbers filed off. I'm just going to mention the, the little quick blurb here, which is modeling suggestion. The body of a tomb scorpion contains an entombed lich priest. Any model with a bit of experience shouldn't find it hard to tla- transplant this into the chest of a bone giant. Ideas for the basic of a sacred crook of Sh- Shapesh include banner pole, chariot, or Cetra's chariot joke, or the arm from a screaming skull catapult. Listen, that- I, I, I don't want to be a dick, but I call bullshit on that, because this bone scorpion is made out of metal. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, how would you carve that thing file out? down the, the, the entire thing. And the bone giant was made out of metal as well. So I, I love the amount of confidence they had in us as 12-year-olds with just operating heavy machinery. Because I remember that was the way it was. Like, if I walked into wood shop, like, age 13, like, Christer, which was the name of, like, our shop teacher, because, of course, it was. It was Sweden. Uh, teacher Christer, could I please be allowed to use, like, the heavy tools? And he always looked at us like, 
you can't operate the buzzsaw unattended. No, of course. Yeah, okay. And then he left. So you could just like make ninja stars in there all day long and like just <laughs> fuck around with the saws or whatever, as long as we didn't touch the buzzsaw. Yeah. So about the first characters, we can take uh, Hennesmith at the end because it's a White Dwarf character. Yeah, I only want to talk about uh, Queen Kalida. Mm. So we're just skipping Sentra. You you painted her recently. (laughs) Yeah, I painted her recently. And I mean, I think it's a really cool model. Mm. Uh, The Queen Kalida, beloved of the Asp, goddess tomb queen of the Eastern Deserts. Historically, she comes a bit, I guess, after the death of Setra, but before the rise of Nagash. Also, as a fun aside, do you guys know what the Bronze Age collapse was? Yeah, yeah. With some yeah. Uh, like climate change and a lot of cultures. Yeah, they have no idea. Like, Basically, they don't know exactly why all the major large Bronze Age eras uh, collapsed, like Assyria and like basic ancient Egypt, which was super prosperous and huge and successful, and it just yeah, disappeared. The, the, the sea culture. people. The sea yeah, people. the sea people came from the east and they didn't yeah. know basically Atlant- what it came from. Atlanteans. I love how in Warhammer they answered on what caused the Bronze Age collapse, and that was Nagash. <laughs> the well, spell of the dead caused the Bronze Age collapse. It's as plausible as any explanation, really. I just yeah. think it's beautiful, like the historical amount of subversion they did there. <laughs> Could still be true for our in real life as well. We just don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of Morton as the guy from Ancient Aliens. I'm not it's saying such it was a thing Nagash, impossible, but it was Nagash. Nagash. <laughs> you have to hold your hands up like that. Nagash. Yeah, I am. I am. My hair suddenly turned <laughs> frizzy. You, you look like uh, the Centauri from Babylon Five, the same fringe hair. <laughs> so how I'm about Setra? It was Nagash. How about Setra? How about Nagash? So Kalida, beloved of the Asp goddess, tomb queen of the East of Desert. I'm gonna summarize it into a tagline for you guys. Yo, dog. I heard you like poison and bows. Mm. So I put poison, poison in your bows. Um, yeah. Gave you both poison. Oh, yeah. Something I should tell you is that all the Tomb Kings are hilariously flammable, uh, which makes the e- army super easy to defeat. Because if you know you're going to face them, just take something that has a lot of flame magic, like the Ruby Ring of Ruin, and like yeah. something that's immune, like Night Goblins. That's immune I d- to poison. I did that once with uh, when I played Dwarves and took a, the Hammer of Flight, the Rune of Flight on a hammer and uh, the Rune of Fire, so it caused. <laughs> Fire attacks. So even if you throw it or punch them in melee, it was still fire attacks. It's also a good tactic if you know your opponent is bringing a tree man to battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't allow you to see like uh, the two towers anymore. You you drew way too much inspiration from that scene. And the reason why they're flammable is because they were embalmed, all of them. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it makes makes perfect sense sense, lore-wise. It's a beautiful way of like integrating rules into the actual gameplay. So Kalida has she has a pretty beefy line. She has movement six, weapon skill six, ballistic skill four, strength four, toughness five, free wounds, initiative nine. She has initiative nine and always strikes first. And it says if both of your if both units participate in the combat, please resolve it in initiative order. I love if someone's like, oh, yeah, I have a high elf like Phoenix Prince or whatever you call it. I don't care. All of a, you uh, as, I no, make this about the color of your sails or about where y'all came from in your boats, but you elves better high on tail out of here. <laughs> that was horrible. Because like they're yeah. like, Oh, I'm I always strike first and like cool, what's your initiative? Initiative seven. I have initiative nine. I can say that most elven characters they have a Always strike first and six edition have initiative to ten. I doubt it. I'm not gonna check that out because it might be true, but I doubt it. High of propaganda. Sounds like Orkulf. something Keeper of Secrets would have. Yeah. 
Morty should start a Slanish army, but you should start a cult of Slanish army. I've, I've, been, Slanish. I've been more into starting a Tomb King's army, but I'm concerned that you just buy all the models that I see on the secondhand market. So you already <laughs> have. Such a, you have no idea, Morten. You, you have no <laughs> I don't dare idea. To, I don't dare to. It be turns out idea. from us recording the intro until to now, I literally found another box of Tomb Kings. <laughs> Like a I have a sculpt of a banner BSB guy who wasn't even released. Damn. I can't find him. <laughs> like in any of the manuals anywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Wasn't the BSB Yeah, no, not that one. I have another one as well. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, so the Queen's Command. She can call Horkus uh, Incantation of Righteous Smiting, which is the fight again one, and it can't be dispelled. Huh? Uh, any army that includes Kalida must contain at least one unit of skeleton warriors armed with bows, which is easy because I have four to five. And any unit of skeletal uh, bowmen, light horsemen, and sheriffs in army that has Queen Kalida may be given the blessing of the asp, which means that all shooting is poisoned. Oh, yeah. It's not like a game breaker, but I think it's a nice like wiggle if you're going to fight like cavalry or like heavy units. It's a good way just to get rid of them or piss them off. She causes terror and she has regeneration. Oh yeah, something I should say. Every Tomb King and Tomb Prince has something known as the curse, which ties into like, you know, when we grew up, there's always this myth that when you open up a pyramid, you got killed by the magical curse of the ancient oh, yeah. pharaohs. Mm-hmm. There's something here. You take like a D6 amount of dice if you kill them. If, she wait, has if one that's way kill, worse. If you, kill a, if you kill a mummy, basically, you, you, you get a curse on you after. Is that the thing? Yep. That, oh, nice. Uh, you, lose, it, you lose wounds. And you have the, oh. basically, it could be like a mutual assured destruction. If you mm-hmm. fight them and then you die. I mm-hmm. can just find a rule here. They have so many rules, and I love it. So wait, also, how, does the, how does the blessing work? Do you buy that as an upgrade, or is it the unit that she joins that gets the No, blessing? that's an 8th edition. The unit you always get it automatically in 8th edition. Here, you just buy, buy it. You buy it for 2 points per unit. No, 2 points per model. Okay, okay. Yeah, because in 8th edition, also, the unit that she joins gets to use her ballistic skill. So, I mean, ballistic yeah. skill 3... But the skeletons with poison attacks hitting always yeah, hitting no. four plus that's pretty good right it seems they don't have paper. that here but here the bowmen have that they always use their unmodified ballistic skill mm-hmm. which is it sounds good and it sounds bad but it's actually a bit of both because you don't have to think about shooting like twice the distance or like mm-hmm. a moving target you always have bs2 which is easy to remember Mm-hmm. I mean, that's better than most units, most armies, I would say, except for maybe elves. It's always yeah, like they, humans. You, you, you would move or you would be long range. So you would be hitting on fives or worse anyway, I think. With yeah. Shooting you don't units, count so. bonuses or penalties. Yeah. I mean, that's really good. Let's see. Here uh, we go. The curse. The model responsible for destruction of a tomb king or prince must immediately take a leadership test. If the test is failed, the model will suffer D6 wounds that can't be saved in any way, including ward saves, nor regenerated. That is cool, though. But in a way, it's like, oh. You already killed my general and my army is crumbling. So, oh, well, I guess you're cursed now, but that doesn't help that much, maybe. <laughs> what I mean, if you play victory points, it's good because you could have okay, like that's... a tomb prince huh? on a chariot and a tomb oh. king, and oh. you ride in and like challenge someone. Like, if you play the dogs of war, oh, I ride in true. and I like challenge your paymaster, or general, mm-hmm. and you kill mm-hmm. my tomb prince. And maybe you take a couple of wounds if it doesn't kill you outright, but that means you're now pretty hurt. That is true. Oh, yeah. So you send a some like a decoy to be killed and take someone with them in death that could work yeah and then you're like well this isn't too bad and then a scorpion ruptures from the ground and (laughs) starts sniffing at you like okay fuck this could be a way worse and then like tomb swarms just start crawling up the leg and you're like okay this is not ideal and then for some reason these fucking skeletons won't stop shooting i mean they're barely hitting me but why won't they stop jeez and what's is that is that another freaking giant 
in their bones. Oh god, I'm looking at the magical light box now. This is not good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kalida. Kalida is cool. Kalida. Still cost you 420 points, though. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's really worth it. Yeah. She also has a bound item, uh, which <laughs> is 24 inches, and it causes a strength, two D6 strength for hits. If you take any wounds from it, it may not move in the next movement phase. Oh, is that the That's weird just... snake staff she carries? Or yeah, and it's just hilariously it's just hilariously trolling because you have to dispel it, right? It's just power level five, but it stops a unit from moving. Yeah, that's pretty weird. big. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they also have, like, I forgot to mention it, one of the units I'm building right now is the Tomb Guard, which is basically Grave Guard. They have Killing Blow, and they have Magical Weapons, and they have Heavy Armor and Shields. That's, you know... No, they have Light Armor. <laughs> oh my god, they have Light Armor? <laughs> ah! Yeah, anyway. So that's it. Not much army in this... Not, not much armor in this army. <laughs> no, no, you know, we spoke about that while you were, like, tending to your... Oh, yeah, spring. sorry. I probably missed <laughs> Poor life choice. I'll have to listen to the episode afterwards to learn about the Tomb Kings now. But well, I fine. gotta tell you, like, Morton, if you have two kids, it's the best, because you just tell them that daddy doesn't have favorites, but he can't logically love you the same amount. So, yes, my younger one's pretty cute and does stuff, but the older one can actually fill up the dishwasher, so, you know, hey. Mm, that's true. Who but, gets, uh, does, who gets uh, is it done correctly? I mean... Or do you have to as change good it as I would do it. Ah, <laughs> Take so, out what you will. So yeah, you probably need someone to sort out your dishwasher. <laughs> if let me tell you the secret of being married. If you don't do something, you're a lazy schlob. If if you do something well, the question is why aren't you doing it all the time? If you do it once and twice and you do it very poorly, yet it seems as you're doing the ultimate ability that you could, you tried. And you can't be blamed for being shit at something. You won't be asked again. That's why it took my wife five years to realize that I've grown up living more or less on my own for a large amount of period. And of course I can clean or like get the grout out of tiles or like repair stuff. Of course I can, man. I grew up on my own, but I never told her that <laughs> until she got the stomach flu and she realized I'd cleaned the entire apartment while she was knocked out. And she's like, you did this? Yeah. You, you can do this? Yeah. Then why don't you do this? Well, I mean, you did it. Apparently not the right answer. And uh, that's why Cetra is a good character. Exactly, exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Chariot of the Gods. That's a pretty awesome yeah. ride he's got. Yeah, do you want to go for Cetra? Because I'm never going to play Cetra. Because I do not, not know how too, I would transport it. Is it too expensive? Or do, oh, yeah, that, with the extra horses on the side and everything. Yeah, it's 625 points. Ooh. Well, I have the 8th edition rules here, and he is weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 3, strength 6, toughness Stop 5, it, 4 wounds. Me. But the chariot has 5 wounds, though, so I guess he's always... Is he always yeah. on the chariot? Can you take yeah. him without the chariot? In 6th uh, no, edition, yeah. you have to take him on chariot. I'm not sure in 8th edition, because 8th edition got weird rules about mounts. Mm -hmm. in, it's so funny, because in 6th edition, Cetra's army represents his personal guard, and half of the points of the army must be spent on the following unit types. Chariots, heavy cavalry, and tomb king. Tomb Guard. It may not contain any Lich Priests. Which is oh, like... Jealous. Okay. Well, do you remember I told you in the intro how he like basically abolished the priesthood and said, you guys oh, fucked yeah. up, I ain't gonna trust you no more? Yeah. The amount of story and gameplay integration they did for 6th edition is just... It's mm -hmm. all inspiring sometimes. Yeah. It can make the armies cool. hard to play, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That is... Because uh, I got the special, special rules for Cetra. Can do a little bit stats first, of course. Cetra has got the uh, movement of four, but they got the chariot, so it doesn't matter. Weapon skill seven, but it's skill four. Strength, toughness five, four wounds, initiative four, attacks five, and leadership ten. Uh, 
Then he got the chariots and horses, of course. But, uh, those we He has a two plus armor save that can never be worse than four yeah. plus, even if hit by a cannonball. <laughs> he has a four plus ward save and he causes terror. He always strikes yeah. first. If anyone else has the ability to strike first, then it's striking normal initiative. If this is also equal, roll the dice to see who strikes first. Keep track of the number of hits Setra scores his weapon. After his attacks have been resolved, any enemy unit in base contact with Setra must take a leadership test with a negative modifier equal to the number of hits caused by Setra. If the test is passed, then the enemy avert their gaze and suffer no ill effect. If the enemy fails the test, then the rooster weapon skill one for the remainder of that combat round. If they roll double or more on their modified leadership value, then in addition to being reduced to up skill one, the unit suffered D6 strength four hits. Yep. So the, his blade is uh, has got most of the rules from a uh, cask of souls baked into it. Yeah. And it's of course he's undead. It's flammable. He's great. We're just gonna go, leave it at that. Uh, then the army we talked about, and uh, yeah, he's got a unit strength of eight. Yeah, I mean he is he he has the lich priest rules. That's basically what it says. Yeah, he got the hierophant rules. Is it? Yeah, he, he is a hierophant for the army. Remember, I yeah. said you have to have like a Lich Priest. Yeah. He has can use the incantation the same way as a Lich Priest. He rolls D6, free D6. Yeah, and that's a like Lich the High Priest. Even. Yeah, Lich High Priest. Uh, and it's funny because so, he has a unit strength of two and his chariot has a unit strength of six. So Setrin's chariot has a unit strength of eight. So that's yeah. why he has that like wonky chariot thing. Which is also great when you're doing charges into units because then you have a unit strength. One five. thing. One thing I will actually say that I did like with 8th edition is the amount of extra characters they put in, because Setra has like this banner bearer dude, right? Oh yeah, he's cool. Is he the Herald? Like, yeah, uh, he's the Herald the herald of Setra. Yes, yeah. Basically nice. dude who went to places like, y'all done fucked up and Setra's gonna wreck your shit lest you fall, fall in the fold. And people are like, oh shit, not fucking Setra, man. And then they did. Which is actually a reference to a Greco-Roman way of warfare. Uh, if you've ever seen like uh, 300, which I assume all of us have, as we're dudes and we grew up in the 2000s, yes. that, that thing when the trainer from Spartacus, the TV series, shows up and tells them that he wants, what is it, like water and bread? <laughs> That's actually a pretty classic thing that the Persians did. But I mean, before the Persians, the Parthians, and it's something that was done in the Greco-Roman world in general before like the city-states formations. So this actually has historical bias with the banner bearer guy showing up. Now I have wound. I have waxed. So what on. you're saying is that he's pretty much a version of Malagurst with a more complete body, <laughs> even I, though he's dead. I, I will talk about 30k, and I won't stop. I think this has been documented. I will yeah, go on. You, don't don't you, you went, get me started. Don't you, you, you went, get me started. You went on so far to take my spot on another podcast. <laughs> they they technically have one Christopher. Don't you dare. <laughs> it's like no homers allowed. We yeah. have to have one homer. Now I'm going to talk about a much vaunted subject. No, we got the one character more to go to. Well, I don't have the rules for that one. I do. They're right in front of me. Well, then you're going to have to read it, and I will judge you silently. Yeah. We got the Sehenesmith for 595 points. And got a movement of 6, web skill 4, but this is skill 2. Strength 6, toughness 5, 6 wounds, initiative 2, attacks 4, and leadership 9. And he wields the sacred crook of Shapesh. And if anyone from uh, Nehekara wants to take him up on the pronunciations or anything of this, they can. I'm fine with that. <laughs> and he wears heavy armor. Heavy armor, giving him a save of throw of three. He's a lich giant. 
So Ascendant combines the physical power of a bone giant with the mystical arts of a lich priest. All the rules for both bone giants and lich priest, high priests apply to. So he is the guy you were supposed to convert. Yes. Spending all your money on these yes. precious yes. metal models and then carving them up. Okay. This is one that would probably would benefit from getting the fine cost version of both the Doom Scorpion and Bone Giant. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this guy was the inspiration for the Herophant? Uh, yeah. Herophant. So, no, not Herophant. Hero Titan. Uh, model yeah, or unit so. that came later because I don't know if this guy is in 8th edition um, then you have the magic resistance no, he's not. Uh, uh, gives himself that any tomb king unit within 12 inches magical resistance too and the army of Qatar is uh, the army of Qatar is uh, very different to that of other tomb king cities and the following rules apply uh, is both the hierophant and general of the army no other characters may be included so it's a bit like Setra in that case. Uh, core units, Tomb Scorpion, Ushabti, 0-2 Tomb Swarms and 0-2 Skeleton Warriors. Special units, Bone Giant, Skeleton Light Horsemen, Skeleton Heavy Horsemen. Rare units, Screaming Skull Catapults, Carrion and Skeleton Chariots. So kind of flipping everything around for what we talked about earlier with the armies. And then he has the Sacred Crook of Shapesh. Uh, took all of the religious symbols Shapesh took all the religious symbols and statues, and statues from the great temple of Shapesh, god of the underworld, and melted them down to make his staff. It is shaped in the image of the crook Shapesh used to herd the souls of the dead to the resting, <laughs> to the resting places, and holds the power of life and death. So it's a great weapon that, uh, when you keep track of the number of unsaved wounds inflicted by the weapon, in each close combat phase, in each Tomb King magic phase, the power of the crook may be unleashed as a magic missile that cannot be dispelled uh, before incantations. Uh, pick a single enemy unit within 24 inches as the target. The unit suffers a number of strength 4 hits equal to the number of wounds currently stored in the crook. Once unleashed, the number of wounds stored in staff will return to zero until inflicts more wounds. In addition, it, it in addition it doubles the range of uh, Selesmet's incantations. So it's quite a decent uh, thing to have. Uh-huh. And this is in addition to the rule that, that this came in addition to the rules of uh, the the bone giant rules that we had earlier. And oh, it's yeah. in the, it was in White Dwarf, and I think it's in the Chronicles two thousand and four as well. Okay, it might be, I never checked actually. It's probably in there. I never checked the Tomb King stuff for actually. It, so. Is he super expensive points wise? No, I mean, not for what you get. No, I mean, uh, oh. I don't think so, Chris. Hmm? Nah, not really. Given that he's still backed up by uh, Tomb King stuff, yeah. I really like the idea that you could have like Shabti as just an army. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's just bringing uh, bringing alive the statues of his temple, pretty much. Yeah, and it's it gives you a way of playing the Tomb Kings differently than you usually do. Yeah, that's nice. I, another good thing with the sixth edition list that you got these alternative armies uh, yeah. or army. Uh, that's yeah. really cool, like the Slayer cult sort of. Yeah, and to be fair, if you have spent all the time and effort and money to convert up the character itself, you should be allowed to use it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel like that if you built this, you should get some kind of award <laughs> just for the amount of pain you put yourself from. Just earned that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, today it could probably just redesign a torso for a bone giant and when printed on a three D printer. But yeah, I guess. But still, which actually brings us pretty neatly into the next point I want to cover. 
uh, one which I think Morton's going to appreciate since I've mm-hmm. drained the entire market. Alternative casts for the Tomb Kings. Yeah, that's nice. I've uh, looked at some here, yeah. So the first one I'm going to mention is what was known as the Deserts of the Dead. Did you ever see that Kickstarter? Yeah. Desert of so. the Dead did a great Kickstarter. I don't know if you can still get those models, actually. I tried to find it out before this episode. It's from a guy known as Troll Trader. He did a bunch of really beautiful sculpts. They they all had the one sculpt, but they were beautiful. He had an alternative for everything. He even had an alternative uh, Ark in the Black and Krell. Oh. You can still get into Kickstarter and I guess contact them, but they had amazing alternatives for everything. They even had a snake-themed Bastet army, <laughs> which was called Elf, Desert Elf, which is a bunch of like cat people like the goddess Bastet. And also snake people, which really would make a good high queen Kalida. Holy shit, halfling sand raiders. Yeah. I mean, Slave zombie horde. If you look battalion. at it, they have like mummies and ghouls. And one of the mummy archers looks like Ed from Iron Maiden. Oh, nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And but, the Lich um, Priests are really good. But... Because the Lich Priest GW model is pretty lacking. It's just an old man screaming like at the Munch painting. <laughs> Was but that the, the what, uh, Kickstarter made by TT Combat or something like that? Uh, it might be. Because uh, TT Combat got an entire line of uh, Desert of the Dead miniatures, among others. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Are these um, 3D prints then? Yes. Would you have to print them yourself, basically? Uh, not if you buy them from TT Combat, I think. The rest of the miniatures applied unpainted. Oh, yeah, so it's someone that prints for you. But... Uh... But the Kickstarter guy, this was for... TT Combat are those who are doing dropship commando and all of those as well. Yeah, no, these guys was an arm. It was printed for you. The fancy, the like the Desert of Dead. You bought these, done. But I think you could, as as a later option, you had the choice of getting just the STLs. I'm. I sent it in the Discord chat. So oh, nice. yeah. yeah, nice. Can you check cactus, it out so can... cactus man. What the fuck? That's the weirdest. Yeah, those are actually so the cactuars from Final Fantasy, which is oh, so yeah. funny. <laughs> I'm checking right now the homepage. MDF terrain and stuff. Wow. I'm checking the homepage for TT Combat, mm-hmm. and yeah, this seems to be the one. You can get mummy archers for like twenty quid. You get wait, how many? Twenty resin miniatures. Like these are really good. To me, they also they got an entire bit... army of halflings, but that's not that's beside yeah. the point at the moment. <laughs> You're buying it right now. Uh, I would totally, I'd forgotten they make this. I would totally recommend the, Anub- the Anubis ones because you can get Ushabti from TD Combat, six of them for 20 quid. And it used to be uh, sold in groups of two for like 15. So this is a huge saving right there. Uh, their heroes, also great saving. Get three of them for 15 pounds. Uh, I would probably get the Warriors and the Spearmen, but I would not get just the ordinary infantry ones because to me, they look a bit more like ghouls and mummies rather than just raised skeletons. TT Combat in general has a lot of cool fantasy options. You should check it out if you haven't. They, they, they have a Shield Maiden, Walrus Rider Queen. Yeah, it's they also have Shield Maiden. Warriors and they have Giant Beetles, which would be great proxies for like the Tomb Scorpion. I might actually get these giant beetles. It's so neat. They have loads of lovely models, uh, just character models as well, and they got yeah. lovely pieces of terrain as well. So yeah, well, I will totally recommend the, their terrain. Uh, I play a lot of Necromunda and like 30k, and their terrain is indispensable for when we had to big build a huge table with a lot of volume. Because it's all MDF. Or... Yeah, it's MDF, but it's oh, good yeah. MDF. Mm-hmm. 
I'm looking at their Temple of Dice, which is basically like you, like in the board game Bird, like Wingspan, where you you put the dice into this building and and they will roll out. Yeah. (laughs) And TT Combat is quite a large supplier to a lot of uh, gaming stores and model stores. I would recommend TT Combat. But they don't have any like regiments of skeletons here, do they? No, but they do have an entire army of the undead. Where is that? Uh, Page one of Fancy Heroes. And you choose Mummy Army. For 100 pounds, you will get one Lich Lord, uh, one BSB, one Lich High Priest, 20 oh, spears, 20 swords, 20 archers, one catapult crew. And it's going to say, their oh, catapult yeah. is a catapult set in between the heads and shoulders of a sphinx, which is just, you know, classy. <laughs> yep. Five vultures, nice. known as cult, uh, carrions in the game. And mm-hmm. six and nobody warriors. Oh, nice. Also, Very otherwise, good. contact your local supplier and check yeah. out if they would have the ability to buy them in. So you can get everything, including desert basing materials from one supplier. I actually got the other day from Game Maniacs, uh, Green Stuff World's Crackle Paint One Step uh, Mojave Mud Crack. And I'm using that and some pigments and just uh, Green Stuff World's uh, Desert Tufts to do all of these bases. It's way easier than GW stuff because it spreads out and dries out super well. These are my first two tips. My third one is basically... 3D printer goes broom. There are so many STLs if you just check it out. Some of my favorites are definitely Lost Kingdom miniatures, the Undying Dynasties. I think they have some of the coolest uh, Tomb Kings uh, okay. 3D uh, things. They're awesome. They're, you have like oh, Tomb yeah. Guy riding on like Skeleton Camel. You have uh, some weird undead, like the War Elephant, Skeleton Elephant, which you could use as uh, war Sphinx in 8th edition at least and they have some, I mean, I think if you combine a lot of these different third parties you could find models that are really good for making a Tomb King army I think I checked them out but I got a bit, t- I might be elitist but I got a bit turned off because their Ushabti is basically a huge Anubi statue just screaming into the heavens wielding a huge glaive Yeah, that's them <laughs> and I looked at it, and I mean, it's a good sculpt. There's nothing else. Yes, like that looks like a living nightmare transport because it's resin. Oh, yeah, that's true. And there's so think... <laughs> different parts in different directions. But they have some other things, like their, their skeleton uh, horsemen are really good, and their uh, chariots, I think, are awesome. Oh, shit. So... Is that a Shinto range? Kaguya. Yeah, they have like Shinto goddesses as well. That's neat. Mm-hmm. You don't see that a lot. As anyone who listens to this will know, I am a sucker for mythology and religions. And their shares are really cool too, Morton. Yeah, you get I really two of like them for twelve. Mm-hmm. Well, but I guess that's too. just the, the print, so you have to. Oh, is it? You have to print yourself. So. Yeah, but I found uh, you. You know, if you go on Etsy, you can find people selling these for a good, a reasonable price, and they print it for you. So I think I think they're nice. I also saw something like called Army of the Sand, I think, on Etsy, which was just also just skeletons, and I think they were pretty on par with the original ones. Army Let's of the see. Sand. See if I can find it. If mm, armies of the sand skeletons. If you and do that on Etsy, then <laughs> maybe this becomes boring for our listeners. But this is a good tip. Uh, we are going uh, to include a list with links. Yeah, that's, yes, Chris is. Is that just STL? I'm just going to say, if uh, there's nothing in that list except TT Combat, it's because none of these two have sent any links to me. So no. Well, you know, Chris, there are people in this world who do, and then there are people who just talk and they create ideas, and they don't add anything of value. And you know, 
I fall into that later category. <laughs> uh, no, oh, also, something I would say, and I know my shit pictures and potato cam quality doesn't really stick the point, but I would advise that you get Vallejo liquid copper and liquid gold, which is 791 and 797 when you paint the stuff, because liquid metal from Vallejo plus some oils will make all of the gold and bronze on your models just look really good quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, like, maybe some ultramatte at the end and some, like, desert pigments. It sounds complicated and convoluted, but if you try it once, you're going to see it's super easy and it's fun. Now, I'm going to say the words I'm not entirely certain I've ever said on this podcast. That's all I've got to say about that. Nice. Good, because then I have a question for you. Oh, Hit me with your rhythm stick. How do you play them? Uh, I don't. Any other questions? Because <laughs> no, this is how di- I'm going to play them. Quite different. Uh, I've got, I have a, a nice combination of basically a mobile gun line. I'm going to have two times 20 skeleton archers with poisoned arrows. Uh, Khalid is going to join a 15-man of tomb guards and move up. I'm going to have a casket of souls just centering the line. Uh, free chariots, because I think that's all I have right now, as well as a small group of cavalry archers just harass- harassing enemies on the outside. I'm going to have my tomb swarms and my scorpion come up from behind. Now, I know there's a huge deficiency in this that if somebody else has a lot of cavalry, I might struggle a bit, but I think that the unmodified shots from all of these skeletons, as well as a lich priest solidly tying up one of the lines, is going to help a bit. Ideally, I finish up the Ushabti I have. The problem is that all the Ushabti I have, except for one, is made out of fine cast resin. And it pains me to say this, one of them was made out of metal, and they were all in the same box when oh. I moved. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and uh, now one, I know one what it's like. <laughs> yes, now I know what it's like when doves cry. I oh. also have uh, two or three old metal tomb blades, and I'm gonna make them into my my tomb princess. I also have like a tomb king finished up. I've made it so that pretty much all of my chariots has at least one crewman that I haven't glued in place. It's just like leaning on its glaive, so you can lift them off and put like a lich priest. Or Tomb Prince in there, which is a tip I would give you. Also, the old metal sculpts, the Lich Priest and the Tomb Princess are really splay-legged. No, bow-legged. It looks like they're trying to get on a horse. And that's because the old metal sculpts were made so that if you wanted to put them on like a base, you could. But ideally, you just put them on a horse. So magnets would be your friend there. That would be my tip. But then again, if you wanted to take... I would say that if you want to have like a decently varied army, go with guys who have spears and shields instead have them advance up slowly supporting a lich priest classic flank support from light cavalry and heavy cavalry uh, harass and then counter charge uh, you'll have a mobile line like that and a scorpion from behind attacking people in the rear would probably be supportive what about the chariots that's like the most iconic unit go through the edges and slam into the side yeah that sounds cool i have another question well maybe you talked about this already when i was gone but uh just as a small, what did they add for 8th edition that was not in 6th edition, units-wise? Uh, were the Necropolis Knights and... Yeah, no, like the, the, half, the half scorpion, half men snakes yeah. were new. Like, the snake riders are new. Mm. Uh, the Necrosphinx is new. And the War Sphinx as well. War yeah, the Ushabti, the Ushabti archers are new. Oh, okay. Uh, Prince Apophas, which is a shame. I, I wonder if I can get GMG to just make rules for him in 6th edition. Basically, the asshole from uh, the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, who's a dude made out of, uh, out of <laughs> scarabs. scarabs yeah. The Necrotect, the guy who exclusively like, supports all of your giant undead constructs, was new. Oh, yeah, because there's suddenly tons of constructs, and before yeah. there was basically just the Ushabti. Were the bone giants constructs? Or... No, they're just big oh. giants. 
Okay, yeah. So he Let's suddenly see. got a job. The yeah, the Necrosphinx, the Necrolith Colossus, the Cambrian Warsphinx. Yeah, we spoke about this like way back in what I guess we could humorously defer to as season one of The Old World Lives. But I always found it kind of weird how all of a sudden it turns out all the armies had huge freaking bitching like floating boats driven by ghosts or like huge mummy sphinxes just running around and nobody ever noticed it until the edition. I mean, but everybody got, got like huge, huge models and the Tomb Kings were, I think, one of the best support in that regard. I can't say exactly when in the lifeline of Warhammer Fantasy that Tomb Kings were released, but they got a lot of support. I have no problem with them adding new cool models. I think the Necrosphinx is the coolest Tomb King model. (laughs) And I'm, yeah, that's my opinion. (laughs) That's all I can say about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't have a wrong opinion having fun, but Morton is not allowed on again. No, but I mean, uh, no, he for is. Me, but for he, me, it he's a filthy like, dog. Oh, how, how do they explain this with the fluffy? I mean, the fluff has always been developing as they make new things. So I don't think that's yeah. such a big, uh, such a big deal. But um, uh, but uh, ah, they are a cool army. Chris, have you ever thought about uh, collecting Tomb Kings? Have they ever been on your wish list? Not really. No? I, I like them. I like the look of them. I like yeah. the story, but I wouldn't want an army of them. Especially not with the old models. No. Why? Because they're pretty bland. <laughs> How dare you? You know that is one of the worst judgments of a of something. We used to call them bland. Pretty well, bleached. I, mean, <laughs> I think that you're wrong in that regard and you play two flavors of elves, so what do you know? Oh shit. <laughs> My compressor started. Oh damn! This is angry like a snake in the background. I'm not creating an evil construct. Chris, to start Chris. Chris, I think yeah, I think Chris offended it. <laughs> it can sense its master's will. Hush, hush, my beauty. Rest, rest. Plot. I know. Like I say, mean, no. I, I get it because even way back in sixth edition, I had a friend who had a bunch of like undead mummy models. And he was so pissed and fuming once they did the delineation of the vampire counts and the Tomb Kings. Because I know a lot of old school players who say, like, there's just one army and that's the undead. Uh, I know that Freddy, who I have the Horse Heresy podcast on, and you guys have met distantly, he, he, like, he refuses to acknowledge that there's a vampire army and a mummy army. And yeah, I he refuses un- to acknowledge that there is any game of the fourth edition. But I think in that regard, I think they did a really good job uh, distinguishing uh, Sylvania from... Uh, the Tomb Kings, because I think, yeah. I think they're so distinct looking. I think it, it works. One thing with the Tomb Kings, I think they sometimes suffer the same problems that the Lizardmen do in the in that oh we're here fighting sort of in the old world. Why are there why are there Tomb Kings here? Yeah. I would say for me they're one of the armies that you could be like ah how do you, how, they're a bit hard to fit in sometimes when you have some sort of you know you want to have some sort of background for the mission and then they're always based with their sand bases and that can also be a bit like distinct when you're fighting on a grass you know or like a snow table or whatever that's always a problem that you have with some armies right i don't uh, <laughs> no, but i, I mean, think we, we mentioned that while we're gone but you're entirely correct it's like we're fighting in the contested border countries here yeah. among the border prince all men are equally represented the darkness <laughs> of the high elves come to reclaim former glories here comes estonia to reclaim no what is it like what are you called Ah, Talabakland comes to reclaim greatness. Kislev oh, no. refuses to acknowledge the chaos incursion and chaos <laughs> horsemen come. Also, there are South American rain lizards here. 
and then come the vampires who come to fight for the glory of their own dark masters and skeletons and zombies. It really is. It really is easier to get uh, justification for having a campaign with uh, tomb kings and uh, dwarfs and uh, lizardmen. You know, if you Mm -hmm. use those, maybe some uh, humans as well, because Mm. the entirety of Southlands, south of Nekara, south of Kemri. Because they've they got the lizards, they've got the humans, they've got the dwarves. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it would be awesome with like an Arabi army and you get some Bretonians on crusade. I would, that would be really cool for a campaign. Yeah, and then yeah, there's also I mean, some uh, empire empire in the border princess north of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had, from there. Yeah, and I had this awesome army about making uh, Southland beastmen who were like gazelles and zebras and shit like that, like African animals, but beastmen. I, I cool. think that would look awesome. That would look awesome. There is actually a rule suggested in Sixth Edition book here on why they would be fighting, because they used to mm-hmm. put that in the books, mainly for the K. But here it says that they will follow somebody who raids one of their tombs to the ends mm-hmm. of the earth. That is nice. I think, yeah, you always, oh, I just took this canopy of like your old liver or something. Yeah. And then they will just hunt you down wherever you go. <laughs> imagine I mean, being I, like, I can buy that. imagine being like the clandestine lover. Of some like minor empire nobility living in the fringes of empire, and like your your husband lover comes up and like, my dear, I've acquired a new exciting piece of jewelry. It will be the talk of the town. Ooh. Thank you, shitty James Bond imitator. I will wear it with pride. And then at night you hear like the rustling of dry bones and just like trumpets oh, playing Alcazar. I'm not a sinner nor a saint, <laughs> and just huge chariots going through the small cobblestone. You look out. And like your James Bond uh, lovers, like you damn skeletons, you're not taking back this piece of an airing. Ha <laughs> ha! How about you? You're like, what the fuck is going on? So that's basically the story about uh, behind the Nemesis Crown campaign. <laughs> yes. Oh. But in the Nemesis Crown campaign in seventh edition, they did just that finding justification for every faction to be in mm-hmm. the center of the empire, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then the tomb, it- king, tomb kings have. Word word of the war reaches even the lands of the dead, and Cetra, Lord of Kemris, his opportunity within the madness. Oh, that seems a bit. I don't know. I would uh, rather have him like. Oh, and they and also they took yeah, my in, they took my liver or something. In Lustra and the Southlands, the Slan Mage Priests have felt the reappearance of the Nemesis Crown. As war comes to the great forest, so do the ogres of the mountains of Morn smell blood on the winds. Everyone is there. Yeah. Beneath the howling hills, the vampire Vladakir Rahtep is forced to abandon his foul experiments and defend his lair. And you were there. And you were there. And you were there as well. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, uh, they didn't do that for the Dark Shadow campaign, which was better. Do you guys remember that in like 5th edition Warhammer 40k, they used to have like, why are these people fighting these people? And you got that in every book. Like, I remember I recently reread the Dark Elder one. Maybe that's earlier. And it's like, why would the Dark Elder raid the following? It's just like a list. The the Tyranids to get exciting new enemies for the arena. And it's like the Empire because they're they're alive. And it was like the Necrons, because even the most jaded of immortals relishes a challenge. It's like, whoa, dude. Uh, and they have it like for the demons as well. Like, why are these people fighting the Grey Knights and so forth? It's really well, fun. The and sport. that's all I have to say about the Tomb Kings actually. I have one, like one thing about one, future yes. prospects of the Tomb Kings because with the project with the old world that uh, has been teased and uh, is coming, uh, where this will be coming back, I, I had some, you know, I was a bit 
worried or well, I was thinking like which factions will they focus on surely it will be you know the old world so you will have all those factions but tomb kings haven't been supported in quite some time mm, will they bring them back will they focus more on the on just the old world but then you know we had this map of the border princes and what did we see in that map you mean the thing that Luke said on our podcast six episodes ago yes <laughs> what did he say well there are uh... Symbols from uh, the Tomb Kings on that map. Yes, tombs. yes, they're tombs. And they're much farther north than I thought. They're in the Border Princes, basically. Which, I mean, yeah, probably... Which is something I've mentioned since we started this podcast, that there's in the books that there have uh, tombs in the Border Princes. Oh, they oh yeah, yeah. So they their empire was that big. They were oh, yeah. even up, all the way up there. It uh, was. Uh, I think it was uh, like uh, lesser kings that uh, con- conquered that and that yeah, have, yeah. had failed it to etc. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I think that that at least shows hope for Tomb Kings that they will also be in this new uh, edition. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there will be like different phases. And we've got the starter box and then we get uh, yeah. built from there. More focus hope, on different uh, parts. Yeah. Mm. It will be interesting because there will also be Cathay. Yes. I mean, uh, uh, since last we recorded. So this maybe should have been in the intro, but it could be a nice little outro. They've now talked about that Cathay is coming and started showing parts of their map. I, I'm yeah. holding out for Araby, personally. Well, that would be awesome. Yep. That's like my favorite part of Warhammer Army Project. Mm-hmm. Cathay. No, Araby. Yeah, with their uh, cool... Do they have like elephants that they can ride and stuff? They have flying carpets. Awesome. And they have gins. Yeah. And all nice. of that is based on old uh, Warhammer and uh, role-playing game stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like the old uh, Warmaster Army. So weird, still weird to me after all these years that they got a war master army, Araby, and they never did anything yeah. with it. And the Kislev army was quite extensive as well. Yeah, but I wonder the if they hand... like learned something from the entire squad situation. <laughs> because the squads got like a huge epic army, mm-hmm. like a huge one. But nothing yeah, else. And they <laughs> squatted epic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it's I would coming lo- back. I would love to see uh, something like the Warmaster coming back, but maybe they could do it in the style of uh, the, a battle in the bo- battle in a box. Yeah, and have like uh, specific conflicts between different factions instead of yeah. uh, a general uh, tabletop game, which they can do after they've fully ev- evaluated, evolved, and extensively built on Warhammer 30k. But th- that's what uh, the old world is replacing. Nice try. <laughs> we all say what that. you want about Age of Sigmar, but I think Games Workshop actually learned some mistakes on trying to replace stuff with something new. Mm. Oh, but in so wait, in Age, Age of Sigmar, there are no tomb kings. No, <gasps> uh, not yet. No, no? there's the siren like ah, oh, they did the, the name Osir- of bone reapers or the Osir- bone, Osir- bone reapers are building uh, constructs out of bone. So they have, but they are sort of Tomb Kings like. Yeah, and that study. army yeah. is hilariously unsupported, by the way. Is it? Yeah. They didn't know no, they got like the it. initial army release and they've yeah. gotten nothing else. The, huh. the Eden F got way more stuff. Yeah. And like, what's the other one? Like, uh, Chris, help me out. Like the Cow Elves. The Lumineth has got their, their second. Yeah, Lumineth. Yeah, that's true. No Bone Reapers in a long yeah. time. But Maybe. on the other hand, the Lumineth got uh, their second wave after you know, the first wave of the pandemic. And then the, the second wave of the pandemic. So, Osiarch yeah. Bone Reapers. Mm-hmm. They have it some has... pretty cool models, actually. Yeah, I mean, they're, they they're have like this could huge go for a screaming Necron skull. 
yeah, the huge Necron Catan looking thing, that could probably be something useful. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of like the basic support, like the basic design of their dudes. No, they're a bit, I don't know, yeah. a bit Japanese, right? In a way. That's, uh, That's some yeah. weird. They yeah, are... they have weird like Kabuki like helmets. But... Yeah, and they are not uh, undead in that sense. They are constructs made out of bone. They're not yeah. raised skeletons. So they These would be probably be good if you want to do like Necron conversions, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they are. They also that's got true. a nice uh, catapult that they can use for a terrain piece if you're doing either yeah. on the Vampire Counts or Tomb Kings. And they had like a terrain piece. Oh, I can say it's out of support now. <laughs> out of stock. They had like a terrain piece, which was basically a huge undead. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It's really cool. I'm looking at it now. It has four towers. It's known as the Bone Tide Nexus, and it has a central statue which is made of skeletons and three heads. And you could say it's like the three-headed face of death. And just support. You could release. Just remove the head. Get like a new head for Anubis or whatever. And just use these four pylon towers with with inscribed crystals on it and like these huge yeah. piles of bones and treasures. It would be a really oh, yeah, cool. There it is. Yeah, it'd be good. a cool Camrian yeah. terrain piece. Mm-hmm. I think you could replace the head with uh, like a brazier or something like that. Yeah, that would be cool, actually. Which I believe is pronounced brazier. No, brazier. It's pronounced brazier, <laughs> Chris, please. <laughs> and uh, no, cool. they also have this, like, I think one of the skeleton horses could be useful for something. I'm not quite yet. They were yeah. also quite big, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. They're way too big yeah. to be used. But then the spell's got a nice uh, bird you can use. Uh, yeah. or Anyway. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you very much and for teaching us pl- about sand. Just one. If you are playing End Times, they do still have the Arcan, the Black, because yeah. he's in the Osir Bone Reaper army, along with other Legion of Nagash. Yeah, and also, I mean, Setra got the coolest way out of any character in End Times, because uh, he got defeated by Chaos, and they told him that they would let him join if he jo- if he followed them and if in service he would help them reshape the world and he died saying Setra does not serve he only rules and they crushed his entire body but left his head in the sand so you could see the failing of his nation it's still pretty cool though that's gangster yeah that, that is nice <laughs> <laughs> that's like where the hood where the hood where the hood at I mean that's good put the money on the so, wood of wood at yeah so I hope all the listeners are now excited and we will see a lot of Tomb King's armies yes. sprouting up from the sand some pictures I want to see more Tomb King armies yeah definitely Part, parting question uh, what is your favorite uh, dynasty or city or whatever color scheme the traditional Neferopta which is I think turquoise mm-hmm. for my current army I'm actually using turquoise for like bespoken command units and her mm-hmm. own uh, retinue archery, as well as my BSB, and like the the converted one we had for the challenge for this month, uh, which finished up. I hope you guys, I hope you guys saw that one. Uh, I'm using turquoise for those, and like red for the rank and file. Nice, but it's still like the traditional turquoise. Yeah, I think and so. Red. Yeah. Uh, I saw somebody do like a long time ago, uh, yellow striped, like hornet. That was pretty cool. Oh, well, purple is kind of cool. Also, I've seen that. Done. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but nice. So, any other parting thoughts, or should we? Get Tomb Kings. I'm going to round this off. Yeah, but uh, this has been the uh, Tomb Kings, uh, let's call it extravaganza, to be extra fancy at the end here. Yes. And I hope you have managed to stay awake for all of this episode. You of course poor listener. Yeah. <laughs> and I look forward to the next episode in which Just Jimmy you. and Niklas break down Only of you. all the rule stuff we got wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will get an email about 
five minutes after this, the first person has listened to this episode. I hope so. Yeah, we love emails. Oh, speaking of that, I'm going to reply to some emails tonight. <laughs> I like it when we get feedback. <laughs> yeah. So this is it for this episode. We'll see you in the next one. For now. Yeah. See you on the flip side.